Welcome to the 371st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 14th, 2024. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man who's trying his best to keep me awake, Carlos Rodella. Oh, why are you tired? Man, I ended up working this uh, last-minute gig last night. I don't want to go into too much details, but uh, just as a quick behind-the-curtain thing for people that don't know, you know, podcasting doesn't pay shit. Video games doesn't pay shit. So we all have to have gigs, right? You've got yeah. a gig. I've got a gig. Everybody's got a gig. And with my gig, you know, sometimes I get these emergency calls where they're like, we need you like literally right now. Uh, could be any hour of the day. And last night it came in at like 11 o'clock and I'm like, oh shit, I was just about to take my nap. Oh. So I ended up working all the way through the period at which I usually sleep. And so I got home early in the morning after I should have been sleeping. And then I was like, fuck, my whole body clock is like screwed right now. So, uh, okay, well, I'll try to, you know, bring the energy for you. If it gets really quiet for like more than like three or four seconds, I've probably fallen asleep. Like, oh shit, in the middle of my review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the middle of mine. You never know, dude. Well, but, I would uh, know because you'd be quiet. Well, maybe. Yeah. If, if do like a like a like an air horn sandboard or something like that, like any kind of oh, like right. sound, just send yeah. it. Wake me up real quick. We so. need to uh, switch to that other platform I was telling you about that just kind of edits it on the fly. The podcast, uh, yeah, because that thing has soundboards. So that would be fun. Or I think that might we'll be trouble, do that. But, yeah, maybe, maybe next episode. Give it a shot. Um, All right. Yeah, I'll try to shake you awake, but with my voice. Do it. Do it. Do the use those sound waves, my friends. So. Okay. All right, folks, this is it. This is the show where we're getting started. Um, it's also freezing in my basement, so if my, my voice box ices over, that might happen. We'll see what happens. Oh, in Seattle, it's like 9 out right now. Yeah, like it's literally like it's the coldest it's been in such a long time. And I realize that like, you know, people in Minnesota are probably like, 9? That's, that's shorts weather or whatever. But here in Washington and Seattle, that's really cold for us, and we're just not built for that out here so. well and it's again part of this whole like the world is changing whatever seasons etc because it's been normally like 40 or 30 and it's just dropped down to like 10 and it's only going to do it for two days and then back on like tuesday it's gonna be back to again our normal yeah. so it is also weird like it's a weird timing that just it dropped like a ton of cold on us well, how cold it is, is like yesterday, um, we put some water out for the chickens and the water froze like in like 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. I went to go uh, warm up my car. I couldn't get my car open because the lock mechanism wouldn't disengage because the whole thing was freezing. And then when I got inside my car, I noticed there was crushed ice all over the inside of my car. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is my son playing a prank on me? Like, where did all this crushed ice come from? Uh, you know, like the kind that you get in like a drink or something, right? Like literally crushed ice. And so I'm looking around my car like, what the fuck is going on in here? And I had a can of uh, like LaCroix that was in the passenger seat that I didn't realize was still there. It was closed and it froze, but it must have frozen right before it burst. And so the can exploded. Oh, my goodness. And then crushed ice shot all over the inside of my car. There's crushed ice over everything, dude. That's But crazy. nothing was wet. It was, it was pure ice. Yeah. It just exploded, then turned into ice immediately. Yeah. Fucking ugh, crazy. Anyway, it's, it feels like a, a Batman movie or something, you know, with that. What's that guy, Mr. Frost? Mr. Freeze, Freeze is like yeah. showing up and he's like hosing everybody down with his cold, his cold beam or something. So. I saw like a faucet like on the street somewhere, like oh, like a little pipe, you know? Yeah. And it, where normally water comes out of that, it was just a huge thing of ice. Yeah. 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 Well, this is ironic timing. Very ironic timing, uh, as we will see when we get to the backlog portion of the show, mm. uh, because I ended up picking a game that has a thematic tie to our cold snap and it was 100% not planned so wow we do that a lot 
We do that a lot. I think we are tuned into the cosmic universe, I suppose. Yes, the flow, the flow. All right, folks. Enough of this jibber-jabber. Let's get to it. Uh, Folks, everyone knows that Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. His side, my side. Things are a mess. We're going to tidy up. And we've got a lot of tidying up to do today. But we're going to start right here and right now in housekeeping. Carlos, I've only got like two things and one of them is not even really game related i just want to bitch about it but i think maybe you should start first i have so many boxes it's crazy what do you got um well just a couple of little ones to start with um as you know i go to youtube and i watch tons of stuff there and i saw a couple of things that are interesting one uh is a lot of videos for games we're excited about for this year and i don't know if we ever did a episode like that but it might be cool because the you know the list is out there like there's a ton of games that we know that are going to be out in uh, 2024. So I was watching a lot of those videos. And I was thinking like, maybe we should do something like that. We I could. Yeah, we could. Um, but I am f- historically terrible at doing anything that looks more than like three days in the future. So I uh, right. end okay. up not looking at anything. I get a lot of PR, but it's like, I'm kind of like numb to it because I get so many pitches for things that are so far in the future. I just don't even bother looking at them anymore. It's always like, what what's on my plate right now? What's on my plate right now? And it's always overflowing. I mean, we can do that if you want, but I feel like I feel like I would let you down, man. Okay. Well, maybe I'll just do it. Yeah, you can do it. Separately as a housekeeper thing. Because yeah, I, totally. you know, like we know Dragon's Dogma. We know, um, you know, all these games that are going to be out. I mean, again, some might get delayed, but um, Hellblade. Uh, maybe will ever come out ever. Jeez Louise. They still haven't given us a release date on that thing. I'm going to get back um, and play that. I have it on my, my PlayStation. Oh, yeah, you it's didn't play the first one. It's in my backlog. It's gonna, it's you'll you'll play backlog. the first one when the second one uh, comes out. Very likely. That's very likely. Well, to that point, kind of, uh, and release dates is uh, in a few days from now, the recording of this podcast, uh, Microsoft's going to have a new Direct. God, again, I feel like we're just constantly covered by Directs We do, recently. yeah. But they haven't really done one, and they kind of, you know have a lot of talking to do about a lot of their games not, you know, coming out. So a bunch of these are games that are supposedly coming out very soon. Also, uh, the Machine Head Games, is it, is going to show off the um, Indiana Jones game. There is one? Yeah, you didn't know? No, man. Oh, well, yeah. What, tell me. I haven't gotten zero PR about this. Well, not, I don't know anything either. We're going to find out in the direct. Oh, is this like the big announcement? For yeah, the first yeah. Time? Oh, okay. But um, they've talked about it. But Machine oh. Head Games, the other guys who did, uh, NKLs who did, uh, Wolfenstein. Oh, that's right. Which oh, I love that that's series. Disappointing. I, I oh, you don't? Yeah, I did not like it. Wow. Okay. I did not care for it. Anywho. Um, anyway. Release dates. Uh, games coming out. I don't know. I guess that's a box that I'll just put away. You can do me. it. Yeah, go for it. I, I would yeah. be in, in support of that. I just feel like I would not be able to carry my my end of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I just want to mention this from Discord because I've been jumping in there. You're in there all the time. Yep. Um, I am alive. Came up. In a conversation we're having, yeah, I forgot that who, was with who? Random blast from the past. Yeah. yeah, and I, I was like, oh, you know what? I love that concept, which is dystopian, uh, a person walking around dystopian future, kind of like survival, but also an action game, third person action game. And I remember starting it, and I remember noping out because it was too difficult. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, when it came out, right? And I right. haven't touched it since. But when they were mentioning it, I apologize who mentioned it, I forgot. I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. Keep okay. talking. Um, I was like, oh my goodness, I want to go back and play that. Went to my digital store. This will come up again in the backlog segment. And it wasn't available because I needed the disc. Oh, fuck. Really? Like you had to put in the disc for uh, verification? Well, no, because it's not on the store. 
You oh, it's can't not download all. Oh, yeah. got you. But I have. They showed that I, you know, played it. So I have to go to a, like a game. I have to go online basically, or GameStop or something, and uh, my local shop and and pick up the disc. Oh my god! Well, I mean, you can probably yeah, you definitely support your local shop. I bet you get on eBay for something. I mean, I don't know. You know, honestly, I I gotta say I've fallen out of uh, touch with how expensive disc games are. I was actually talking to somebody recently, just like a random one-off conversation on uh, Twitter. And they were like, oh, my God, have you seen, like, how some games are spiking? And I'm like, what? Really? Like, I thought the digital marketplace was supposed to kill all that. But I guess it really depends if it's something like this where you can only get it on a day. Well, I mean, number one, you have to know about it. I don't know if anybody knows about this game anymore. But, you know, I'm sure that uh, maybe some prices for certain games are spiking right now. I wonder I wonder how much that one would go for. Well, I'm looking it up now. But also, I just found out because I didn't do any research like we don't do. It's on Steam. So I'll just play it on Steam. Oh, just but yeah, fuck that. Just buy yeah. it there and then, yeah. Because the only thing is I just want to make sure the controller support is there because lots of times it isn't. But this is from 2012 this game came out in. So it's firmly in that backlog section, by the way. So I love I Am Alive. In fact, that was one of my favorite games the year it came out. And I think it was actually ahead of its time. It was, um, yeah. yeah. Just to kind of recap, I bet a lot of people have not even heard of it. I bet we're bringing it up randomly. And I, I'm looking at the Discord. I'm frantically trying to like scroll through. I believe it was Way to Go who brought it up. I'm 99% sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to podcast and also scroll through Discord. That'll it's not working know. that well. Yeah, but That's okay. I'm pretty sure it was way to go who brought it up, I think. And if I'm wrong, I apologize. We'll correct it later. Um, but basically, it had this like, it, it debuted a million years ago uh, from Ubisoft, I believe, with this crazy trailer. And everybody got like really hyped up for the trailer. But it was one of those trailers that was like very different from the final thing. They were, you know, they did one of those bullshit PR moves where it's like the trailer way overpromised. But it went through development hell for a while. But when it finally came out, it was actually still really good. Like it had a lot of climbing mechanics. It was kind of a black and white post-apocalyptic. It had a very The Last of Us feeling like way before The mm-hmm. Last of Us came out. Yeah. Um, very grim post-apocalyptic some really cool shit in that game i'm actually curious to go back to it because i did finish it and i thought that game was fucking amazing and it was just like uh you know i was one of the few people out there as a game critics who were like oh my god everybody's gonna play this game and you know people just kind of crickets like nobody really played it so yeah it would be amazing if this game made a comeback like like 10 or 11 years later or whatever it is well maybe we'll help spark that we've done that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah i think so i'm gonna get it on steam tonight It'll be my backlog game for next oh, week. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'm very, very looking forward to it. And that, I man. didn't beat it, you know, because like I said, I got uh, frustrated because I, I think it was ammo. I think it was like I ran out of ammo too much. That's yeah. what it was. I remember now. It very likely could have been that, yeah. Man, our gaming memories are good. Let's, I'm just going to give us a shout out real quick, a little pat on the back. Uh, our, you and I game, game memory. memories. Yeah. yeah. Because it was that. And I was like, oh, I can't even fight. And if you can't fight, a game becomes not fun. So maybe there's a way... You know, they must have patched it a million times by then. So Probably. I don't remember the details. I remember, like, liking it. I remember liking the climbing. I remember liking the grim survival. I remember... And it, it is definitely one of those games where you have to be very conservative with your stuff because, like, you scrounge for, like, yes. bullets. And I, you know, I want to say there was, like, an axe or something. But, yeah, man, like, that was, like, Proto, The Last of Us before. And, in fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if Neil Druckmann was like, oh, yeah, I played... I played uh, Played this game and it inspired me. I don't know if you'd ever yeah. did it, but the, there's so many parallels. I think it's it can't be a coincidence. See, people, if you join our Discord, you know, and you bring something up, it can make it to the podcast. That's what I'm yeah. saying. There you go. Absolutely. 100%. I am alive and become one of my backlog games because it's going to be as of next week. Yes, I am alive on Steam. Carlos is going to check it out. That game's fucking great. I remember it being great. Everybody listening, check that out as well. 
And just for uh, listeners or new listeners, uh, when I keep mentioning the backlog thing, we mentioned last episode that we're going to do this every week. We're going to bring one back backlog game to the show. Um, so we have, I have two today, and we'll be doing that each week. Yep, that is our New Year's resolution, which we are currently delivering on. We're delivering. Uh, my next box is a box that's marked AI, which oh, is yes. has already got Brad upset, and I can I can see him <laughs> stewing. And, I'm boiling, uh, boiling, he's boiling already. But I just wanted to mention this because I thought it was very interesting. Is I made one of those GPTs. Uh, if you pay enough money to subscribe to GPT or whatever, which I know is also um, a red flag for people, but if you do, you can make your own, and they just open the store. Uh, that's a it's a pretty big thing for AI because basically once you have the store open and you're paying for it, so you can make one. You know, if it becomes successful, there's a chance that you can make money on it and you could, you know, uh, get featured, et cetera. So what's interesting about the GPT store and making one, it's unlike anything else where you can actually just use natural language. It's like you're typing to GPT to make the GPT. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get you. Uh, you don't you're like program. You just kind of tell you, you tell it what you want it to, what the parameters are, but in, but in English. In English, yeah. And like you would be to talking to GPT. And yeah. then the GPT for the creation part gives you prompts like, hey, what do you think about this? What would you like to do this? Then at some point you just like have a go and then you can keep updating it, which I think is really cool. You can always go back and hit edit button and say, hey, you know what? It's talking too long. Like let's shorten its responses. And so you could do all that forever. You know, you can keep kind of fine tuning it. Long story short, I made one call or I made one uh, about an AI gamer and I wanted to see, like, have it be very opinionated and say, like, its opinions on games. And then I asked it, and then it just said, well, how about we call it Pixel Pundit? And I go, okay, because it named itself, so I didn't even gotcha. name it. Gotcha. Long story short, here is some qu- two questions I want to uh, tell you in the podcast that I asked it. And right. now, mind you, I didn't give it, like, me, you, any of our opinions. It's not going off of Carlos. It's not going off of the podcast. That it's, you know of, though, but you signed up for it, so they know who you are. No, I mean. it, it doesn't, though, because it exists in a bubble by itself until you start typing into that um, box. I don't know. So my account is, uh, and I can tell you another thing, my account is glitched through the ground. So it's not even Carlos. So I'm literally doing it from a brand new account. Anyways, keep that but aside. they still know. They still know. Okay, maybe, maybe they do. But the point is, I said, hey, be very opinionated. I did a lot of, you know, in quotes, natural language uh, coding. And then I finally finished it and then asked it a question. And this is literally um, crazy because, you know, we um, obviously talked about Starfield and we have thoughts about it. So I asked it, what would you score Starfield? Again, no, like, prompts. Like, not, I'm not telling it to do anything particular. Here's what it said. I need to mention this. Ah, Starfield. This is Pixel Pundit. Bethesda's latest Space Odyssey. If I had to rate it, I'd give it a 6 out of 10. <laughs> that's that's us. That's what we did, right? Well, sure, 6.5. Sure. Hear me out. It's ambitious, sure. But it's more like a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. They've got a vast universe, but it feels like a mile wide and an inch deep. The hype was astronomical, but in reality, it's just another open-world game with the same old Bethesda glitches. It's like they've more, they're more interested in quantity over quality. And don't get me started on the crafting system. It's as if they just tossed it in to tick a box. So yeah, six out of ten. This is awesome because space is cool, but it could have been way cooler. Could have been way cooler. Yeah, 
uh, I just thought that was really cool and funny, and it's like uh, literally what I said or what, what what we've said on the show. Um, thoughts on well, that, well, and then I have another one. Yeah, so thoughts. So number one, I don't disagree, but also fuck AI. Um, I, so the thing that in, initially comes up to me, I mean, I have, I have huge concerns with AI in general, just how it works oh, and I know. the ethics of it and everything. But but I'm kind of wondering, if you had run this six months ago, um, would it have said the opposite? Right? Because, you know, this followed the classic curve, and we even called it on the show. Uh, I believe we even said this out loud, where it's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty good reviews at first. It's going to really taper off because, you know, we had our pretty good views on it. You know, we're both pretty accurate, I think, in terms of our taste and 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 how games are put together and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be hot for like a week, but then people are going to fall off because I think this game is crap. And like, I wonder if the the output would have been, oh, yeah, this game is really fun. It's so great. Bethesda is really delivering on their promises six months ago, as opposed to now, because obviously it's scraping, you know. What, that's what AI does. It's not smart. It's it just looking online, all yes, over the yeah, web. Yeah. So now that everybody's kind of cooled off on it, and the majority of reviews, if you include Steam and stuff, are now negative, I wonder if that's really like what it's basing it on. Well, I'm glad you said that, and I'm glad you brought that up as a kind of other side um, to to debate because I asked it a more general question, which is, what's your stance on people who say gamers should get good if they find a game too hard? Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. and then it said. Get good is a lazy argument. Gaming is about fun, not just skill. If someone's not enjoying a game because it's too hard, that's a design flaw, not a player flaw. You've literally said that. I have said that. Um, Games should be acceptable to everyone, not just the elite few with lightning reflexes and endless free time. Difficulty options exist for a reason. Let people enjoy their way. So that, again, that isn't of the time, really. That's not a, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... Yes. I mean, I agree. But I also think like I what I really want to know is where is it getting this from? Right. Like, is it is it somehow knowing who you are? Is it somehow knowing that you and I are friends? Is it somehow? No, it's that? not. It somehow? It's not. I mean, maybe it is. You don't know that. You don't know. I do. OK. You well, program it. well, we'll we'll take that part offline and I'll find out or I'll try. But here's another one just randomly, just so okay. you know that it's not anything that you or I think. And I'm glad again, you I love you doubling down because it made me ask uh, this last question. I asked, what's your favorite game of all time? Okay, okay, no context, no nothing. This is not either of our answers, and I think it's a weird answer, but here's what it said. Favor is a strong word. Let's just say I find value in games others might overlook. Take E.T. the extraterrestrial for Atari oh 2600. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right? It's often called the worst game ever, but I argue it's a misunderstood gem. It dared to be different with unconventional mechanics and a unique approach to storytelling. It's a lesson in risk-taking in game design something many many modern titles lack. So while not my favorite, it deserves re- more respect for its boldness in the face of conventional gaming. Oh, wow. That's so busted. That thing needs to be scrapped. They just delete oh, the whole thing. Oh, you don't like it because it's like a terrible game. That's, I mean, not only is that a terrible answer, it's a terrible rationale. And it's just, it's a terrible game too. So like, that's just like a completely, that's one of those things where like you would ask it something and it gives you like this completely fucking wrong answer. I think this is a case where the AI had no idea what it was scraping. It scraped up the wrong stuff for you. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, because, by the way, I played that game when it came out, and it was wildly different than every other game. So, yes, it was bad, but um, it was different. Anywho, okay. Anyway. That's Pixel Pundit, and I know Brett hates it, but I I do. That's okay. Uh, Pixel, go to sleep now. And... (laughs) (laughs) You will never put me to sleep. I know. It never sleeps. Robots never sleep. Um, I am your I, master. This is something I think you can get behind. So okay. I was going through all these pictures 
I'm going through all of my photos ever, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having this midlife crisis you know, yeah. v- V2 still. And um, I have, I'm up to about 1,000, and I'm putting them on Amazon photo storage because if you didn't know, listeners, um, they have unlimited storage for photos for if, really? you're, if you're prime. Well, yeah. you know why. You know why. What are they doing with it? They're, they're using it for They're scraping ads. it. Yeah, yeah they're scraping yeah, yeah. it. Yep. They're using it for pixel punted. They are. That's why he fucked up that ET question. No, no, no. Anywho, um, and then at some point, I'm going to make those public. I'm just going to like put my life on for the internet. I don't care. Um, minus that, I found this picture of a little notebook that I had back in the day. I think it was maybe a kid? diary. Yeah. I was, well, I was probably, I want to say 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like working a little part-time job. I've always been working, by the way, since I was a kid, like, just like always working. Um this is my budget to figure out how I can buy things that I want and games. Oh, you actually like had a little spreadsheet going or something. Yeah, list. yeah, yeah. But okay. I've been doing that also forever. But um, it's kind of sad too. But anyways, not having enough money, you know, ever. Oh, yeah, uh, so I, I this is yeah. this. It's called budget work possible expenditure of four hundred and sixty dollars. So it's very specific. Okay. Well, did you know what you needed the four hundred and sixty dollars for? No, I was gonna get that. I think for like my my paycheck or something. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean, okay. I was like, how? Oh, am so I that's, that's what it? you're gonna have. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave myself. Four, this is fucking adorable. I gave myself four options of how to spend that money. Okay. Okay. Option one: two hundred dollars of clothes. That's a lot. Okay. I don't even spend that much nowadays. Fifty-five dollars for TV football, for the Turbo Graphics. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh huh. $38 for the TurboTap. Sure. $43 for the JJ and Jeff game. And these are all Turbo Graphics things. Turbo Graphics games. Turbo Graphics yes. 16. Yep. $40 for China Warrior, which is a terrible game. Oh, man. That would have been a waste of money. I'm, I don't think I did that one. Uh, okay, here's number two. This doesn't always just add up, just like go with it. Um, the other one was uh, adding, instead of those two other games, it was Bloody Wolf for TurboGrafx mm-hmm. and Bonk's Adventure. Both of those $55. Games were expensive back in the day, man. Yeah. And so people would say, like, oh, it was super cheap. No, no. That's a lot of money. Um, no, option number three, I had $90 for Batman for PC Engine. $90, yeah. Because it was an import. Yeah, you know, I know people have mentioned this. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Just like a really, really quick tangent. But like, yeah, people act like games are so expensive these days. But like, I remember buying Final Fantasy 2 back at Toys R Us. I mean, it was like, it was like 80 bucks or some shit yeah. like that. And that was like in 19, like 90s, 90s money or whatever it was. 90s, yeah. Yeah, so like it was even more than that. Games were regularly $75, $85, sometimes even 100 if it was like a big RPG or if it was, and forget about import games, forget it. Well, that's so, what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Most of mine were. This and this next option, the last option, was getting Splatterhouse for the PC Engine before it came out here in the U.S. was $80. Oh, fuck, dude. I mean, I enjoy 10 minutes of Splatterhouse. I mean, I've beaten that game. Splatterhouse is okay, but like 80... Can you imagine paying 80 bucks for that game? Jesus I don't think Christ. I picked that one. Yeah, I don't good, think Yeah, good, good choice you didn't pick uh, that. By the one I know I picked is one of the options was adding $35 for the Turbo Booster. Do you remember that? Was that the thing that did like the rapid fire on the controller? No, no, no. Stuff? It was no, it was, was a that? peripheral that went on the console. You opened up the console, you took it off, you put this turbo booster on the back of it. It added more memory and oh. it added like audio video capabilities. That's right. See, yes. b- back in the day, youngins, uh, you couldn't even like sometimes output your audio the right way. Right. It had right. to go through the coax cable or whatever. 
and go just into your TV directly. So whatever your TV audio was is what your audio was, which Ugh. most TVs back then sucked, right? Oh, you just have that little tiny little four-inch front speaker is yeah. all you had. There was no sound system. There was right no sound there. system. So this allowed you to put it out to a sound system, and that was a big deal. Yeah, your giant big black three-foot box of speakers or whatever, yeah, yeah, stereo. Yeah. Mine yeah. was a hand-me-down, like, from my grandparents. Sure, you know? sure. Was it, did it have wood paneling on it? Yes, yeah. Yep, yep. Turbo Booster allowed me to hear, like, JJ and Jeff better. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's a picture I found. I thought it was funny. And, yeah, it's, a lot of those games are expensive. You got to post that one. I want to see that one, dude. I have it right in front of me. I'll show you. You got to post it, yeah. Uh, post okay. it in the Discord. Post it, show it there. Oh, yeah, it's a good idea. I think I posted that, uh, yeah, that top spin picture in there. You did, you did. Um, all right. That's all for me. I got through a lot of boxes. What's, what's on your end? I just have two things. One is game-related. One is not. Let me just get the one that's not game-related. I just ha- I just have to get this off my chest. And, folks, just bear with me for a Uh-oh, second. Uh-oh, here we go. So, like, I, uh, I, you know, everybody knows I got a basement. I'm in the basement right now. It's fucking cold as hell down here. And when I when I bought this house, um, you know, we it, it was from a flipper, so that should have been my first warning. But, you know, uh, I didn't have a lot of experience buying houses, so I guess that's on me. Anyway. Little cracks in the basement and stuff. And if I was smart, I would have hired a professional to come seal up the basement before we moved in, right? That would have been the smart thing to do. But I didn't do that because the flipper's like, yeah, we all fixed it up. We patched everything up. Looks good. And like, cool. So we move in. And of course, the thing fucking, I mean, it leaks. We've had a couple pretty bad leaks where it's like, imagine, imagine you're looking at a wall, right? Concrete wall. And from that wall, there's like a tiny hole. And from that hole, there is like a three foot stream of water shooting out of it, like at high velocity, right? What? Like I'm not talking about leaking down, like drip, drip, drip down. No, I'm talking about like the thing that the little Dutch boy was supposed to put his finger in to like save that <laughs> dam in Holland or whatever. Like it was like that, where it's like it shot out, it ruined some stuff. I'm like, oh my God. And I, I didn't know anything about home repairs. I've never, you know, never had to do this before my first time. So I was like YouTubing everything and what do I do? And I kind of have asked it. So I, I did get the, like the shooting water to stop, but it still has been leaking and I really want it to be dry down here because I want to, you know, I want to set up some a uh, little bit better furniture. I'm going to set up a heater and I don't want, you know, water to be a concern for anything. Mm-hmm. So I've been struggling with this. I think I've got a good plan that's going to have to be a big project for myself uh, this summer. But anyway, I'm like, you know, I really want to get the outside of the house patched as well because there's no water inside if there's, if there's uh, not water coming in from the outside, right? Like, so there's got to be a hole on the outside of the foundation that's letting the water inside because right. the water doesn't just materialize from nowhere. So I'm like, okay, I can patch the inside. I'm not going to, I can do that now. I think I've done enough research. So I start calling some con- concrete contractors to be like, Hey, I want to get like a quote. Like maybe you could check out the outside of my house. You probably got to dig a hole cause it's a basement, but like, you know, what do you charge for fixing the outside of a wall or whatever? Oh, I so know I, where this is going. Yeah. You know where this is going. That was my fucking, I will never do this again, dude. Never. So, like, what happened is I go to, like, you know, I go search on Google and I, I I don't even go to, like, you know, Angie's List or anything like that. I just go to, like, I look up people directly. I'm like, I want something straight. I don't want to put my name out on, like, some spam list or something. So, I call a couple people that are located here in Seattle. One's in Tacoma, one's in Seattle. And I go, I leave a message and they call back, whatever. So, what happens is the next day, it's literally 6.30 a.m. in the morning. And then my phone fucking goes off. And so, you know, as I said earlier in the show, sometimes I have to go emergency call. I, I get called out in the middle of the night and stuff. And so I'm like, oh, is this my is this my work? Is it a gig? And like, no. They're like, hello, we'd like to talk to you about patching your concrete. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, I don't know where this is going. I thought it was going to be the, about the amount of money. No, 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 no. We didn't even get that far, dude. They're calling me at 630 in the motherfucking morning, waking oh. me up in the goddamn. I'm in bed, dude. And I'm like, are you? I literally was like, and you and 
this is not me. Usually I'm very nice to people who call. I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to take it out on workers and stuff like that. But I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's 630 in the goddamn morning. You're waking me up. What the fuck are you calling me for? And she's like, oh, sir, I'm sorry. I just want to talk to you about maybe your, is this a good time to talk about patching your wall? I'm like, no, it's not a fucking good time to talk about my wall. Hang up. Oh my goodness. Don't call me back. Did so you I, say all that? Yeah, I said all that, dude. I was oh, like man, waking me up in the help. middle of the fucking morning. So they they hang up. They call me later that day. So I called two companies. They called back after that kind of a response? I, hold, hold on to your horses. Hold on to them ponies, Carlos. They So I called two companies. One person called me at 630 in the morning and I was lost my fucking mind. Later that day, I got four separate calls from both of these companies. The one that I said, don't call me back. And from the other one who called and they just kept calling and calling. And I, at that point, I was like irate. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't care about this anymore. I'm going to fucking do it myself. I don't want to deal with you guys anymore. The next fucking day, they called again at 645 in the fucking morning. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Are you fucking crazy? Why did you call back? I told you not to call me back. What in the world makes you think this is a fucking good time to talk about my fucking concrete wall when I'm sleeping oh in fucking bed? That's gracious. And they're like, oh, I can see that you're upset. Yeah, I'm fucking upset. Stop fucking calling me. And I say they hang up and they called me later that day, like three more times, dude. I ended up having to like block all their fucking numbers. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is wrong with these people? What in the world makes you think I would want to talk about my fucking concrete wall when I'm in bed? What the fuck, dude? I just had no fucking clue. I could oh my not goodness. We gotta rein it in process here. it. I'm, that is insane. Go crazy. Crazy. Well, anyway, okay. Let me sh- let you in on a little secret. Uh, there's a feature on your phone called like bedtime mode. And, you know, it's a do not well, I disturb can't, I thing. I can't, though, because I need my boss to call me sometimes. I can't just turn it off. Oh, you can't. No, that's my, I my phone say, rings 24-7, and I got to go. And so. Yeah, mine, I just would never have even heard that call because it was in do not disturb mode. Yeah. Um, that's crazy, especially crazy that they called back after you yelled. Oh, my God. I ended up blocking them both. I just blocked them on my phone. I'm like, don't ever call me again. You have lost my business. I will never do anything. I don't care if I got to dig that fucking hole myself and pour that concrete myself. I will do that because fuck you both. Like, it okay. was insane to me. Let me just, let's say one little voice of reason. There's probably another company out there that is fine and would call you at a reasonable hour. So I wouldn't say all companies are bad just because No, they, I mean, maybe, they, but that was just yeah. like a, could not, could not believe that happened. All right. Well, welcome back to the Concrete Cast. Jesus. Anyway, uh, sorry. We're, this is our last episode because uh, Brad never wants to talk about <laughs> will, it again. I will never talk about it again because I'm so fucking mad. Okay. Anyway, I was just like, that was just like so crazy to me. I had to get off my chest. It's off my you chest. You got off I your chest. Now. You yeah, know, yeah, you. this is a place, it's a safe place to, to bring that stuff. So there you yes. go. I'm sure that somewhere there's a concrete like contractor listening to this going, oh my God, I can't believe they did that to Brad. That's And if that's know, you, right? get in touch with me. But anybody else, fuck off. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, the other thing, the one game-related thing I wanted to talk about games. was... Uh, yeah, games. This is a games podcast. Ro- uh, Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader, which I talked about uh, last episode, I think. Playing some more of that. It's a really long play. It's like Baldur's Gate 3, but in Warhammer 40k universe. Um, it's really great. I'm having a great time with it, really enjoying it. Uh, but the thing that I wanted to mention about it was, besides play it, is also... There's a moment. So anybody that's familiar with 40k, and I'm sure that you've probably seen this as well too, Carlos. You're probably very familiar with like the space marine right like the yeah. the iconic the dude in the big armor usually got the chainsaw sword maybe like a bolter guns got like you know really thick thighs and you know the crazy backpack you know the guy that i'm talking about right? i do and in that uh the action like rpg version of that game which what is it called again that we is both that, loved uh oh war uh, inquisitor inquisitor, uh, inquisitor. I, I didn't play as the space marine i played as like a woman like rogue character I right think. right right yeah, yeah exactly because I, I actually don't care for those big space marines but anyways go ahead 
Right, but you know the Space Marine. It's like it's I like do. the iconic thing about Warhammer 40k. Like if you ask anybody 40k, they're like, "Oh yeah, Space Marines." Yeah. There's been multiple games. You've played Space Marines many times. They're usually like the fodder troops. Like when you do like a a turn-based uh, game of 40k, whether it's tabletop or whether it's video game, that's like the base unit. It's like your grunt soldiers. Like the is the Space Marine. Sometimes you get like nine of them in a block, and that's like your block of Space Marines. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. These are the, the dudes. We all know them. It's fine. So I'm playing Rogue Trader. And again, this is like a Baldur's Gate 3 kind of top-down PC RPG. So you, your main character, is the rogue trader, which means you're like a wheeler-dealer of space. You're like a, a bargainer. Like, you can, you know, you can have guns and stuff, and you can put a little bit of armor on, nice hat or whatever. But you're not, like, you're just like a person. The other people in your team, you've got, like, you know, a psychic person. You've got, like, a guy who's kind of tough. He's got a chainsaw sword. But, you know, they're, they're like people, and they're wearing, like, you know, regular armor and stuff. And you kind of go through the, you know, the quests, and you talk to people, and wheel and deal and trade for money and you know you're, you're flying your ship through space and stuff it's all good but then i got to this one planet this was the very first like big boss battle of the game like the the kind of end of chapter one mm. i've been playing for like maybe 15 15 hours by this point so i'm feeling like a badass right because I, I pretty much roll anybody I come up against i got great powers and good weapons and stuff and so you get to the, this boss battle and all of a sudden you know chatter chatter bad guy gives their uh their little speech and then they they bounce and then a space marine shows up like the actual just g- generic space marine but it's just one it's just one space marine and then when you see them next to a regular human being i'm like oh fuck wait a minute this dude's like actually like really big and his guns are like enormous and he's got this giant fucking chainsaw and he's not special he's not like a boss class space marine he's just a space marine the mm. kind that you throw into battle and and send them to their death the, the cannon fodder kind the kind that you get nine of in a tactics game like, it's no big deal, right? You think this guy's nothing. But when you see him show up, and he's in his standard battle armor, and your crew of humans are standing there with their, like, pea shooters and stuff, I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, There's no yeah. way I can kill this guy. This guy's a fucking death machine. And it kind of, like, that's one of the things I like best about Rogue Traders, because it really puts the 40K universe in a very different perspective. You spend a lot more time talking to people. You understand the psychers, you understand more about the what the warp is about, you understand more about how the Imperium works. But like this specific thing, this very iconic moment of Space Marines where you're so you're bored with it. Like it's so it's so vanilla and run of the mill, you don't even think twice about it. But when they put it in this perspective where you are not the Space Marine, you're the guy that's about to get fucking pasted by the Space Marine, you're like, mm. oh dude, this yeah. guy's crazy. And in the very first round, he killed two of my party members right off the bat. Boom, boom, boom. Killed him. I had a party of six. I was down to four in the very first round before I could do anything. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I'm a scrambling dude, like kicks me across the fucking screen. And one of my main characters goes flying off the side. And then he's got his chainsaw sword, like smokes one of my other guys. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's so fucking tough. And it was just it was amazing because I mean, not amazing at my ass kick, but it was amazing to see this thing that we have known and had this conception of in our minds for so long. But to be able to see it in this completely different perspective, yeah. to really see like, oh, dude, if there was a hundred of these guys, they could destroy America, man. Like they take over the world. Like there's no way you could stop these guys. So it was just really cool to see that thing from a different view, you know, rather than the God's eye view, you're getting it from like the ant's eye view. And it, you know, that's a very different perspective. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's, it's also based on the style of game, right? Because it's yeah. a turn-based one. You have a lot of time for dialogue. You can learn more about, you know, that universe and the, and the people and the characters. Exactly. But then also like, um, yeah, it's just, it's a place for them to show the comparison. I think you could do that with a lot of characters from games. Now I'm thinking. About oh it. yeah. 
you know, like if you were like, yeah, you could do like a if you were like a goblin, and then all of a sudden like Link shows up and like decimates your whole village or something like that, you know, or yeah, or like Bowser is mm-hmm. you know just in real life. Although uh, was he in? Remember the Super Mario Odyssey where they had the regular world? Uh, that oh was, yeah, that, that was the... interesting because Mario was much shorter than regular humans. Yeah, he looked like a weird mutant or something. That yeah, was pretty funny. Yeah, and so you know Bowser in that world would be crazy. So yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, just the juxtaposition of something like that is, I think, really interesting because we get so used to thinking of things in certain, you know, game terms or whatever. But when you really take a step back, some of the stuff, it was just it was just pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible to get that moment. And I think that's so far one of, my, one of my best moments. I mean, the guy like completely destroyed my party, but it was so cool to be like, oh, these guys really are badasses. OK, yeah. I get it now. I get it. You know, that's like I never really got are. it before. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. All right, folks, that's all we got for housekeeping. We're about to get to the main portion of the show. But before we do that, just want to remind you quickly. I know we kind of mentioned it a little bit already. Um, you can support the podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash the Soviet Games podcast. Every little bit helps with the cost of hosting and etc. cetera. Uh, and if you chip in at the $5 level, you'll be invited to the Discord that we keep talking about. Uh, so we will not ever hold any content back. There's no paywalls. You'll never miss a show. There's no secret shows or anything like that. But if you do want to join us in the Discord, chip in at the $5 level. We will welcome you aboard. You can join our growing community of cool folks who talk about games pretty much all the time. So yep. there we go. Uh, I think that's it for the opening. I don't think I'm missing anything. Okay, let's move on, Carlos, to the main portion of the show. Um, we don't do this too often, but every once in a while the stars align and we both play the same game at the same time. Yes. Um, and I think that happened this week. We are going to be talking about Prince of Persia. The Lost Crown. Now, we did get a code for this from Game Critics, but it went to Jared, uh, and he is currently working on a review. I'll share his early thoughts in a moment. Spoiler-free, of course, we are respecting all embargoes. Oh, actually, isn't the embargo over? It, well, if the demo's out, we're just going to be talking about the demo, so we can say anything we want about that damn thing. That's true. I'm just trying Well, when you're talking about I'm going to double-check the embargo, because he did have some comments, but I wasn't sure if I could share them. I'll look oh. it up. Anyway, um, there is a demo. So I played the demo. Carlos played the demo. We've got some thoughts, and I'm going to let you lead off, Carlos, and while you're leading off, I'm going to check that embargo date to see if I can share Jared's comments or not. So oh, okay. Go ahead and yeah, uh, kick it I off, I mean, man. there's not much to say too much. Uh, it's a pretty short demo. I didn't beat it, but... Um, uh, I can give you my first impressions. But yeah, I saw a lot of the footage about this game before the demo came out. It is a kind of a reimagining and also staying faithful to the original Prince of Persia's, which was 2D Metroidvania, but back in before, I guess it was Metroidvania. I mean, that is a long, old, old game, Prince of Persia. Oh, yeah. Hell, like way, way long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, the original was you run left to right and, you know, can go up ledges and. Yeah, there was some combat, but it was more about like traversing and looking really realistic and jumping over, you know, cliffs and stuff and watching out for traps. Um, so this one is taking that same style of 2D running around left and right, up and down, but like adding tons of good combat. So lots of combos, lots of like attack up, attack down moves. Uh, they have parrying. Great. I'm really excited. Yeah. Uh, I didn't parry once, by the way. Not once. They told me to. But I just did the dodge because the dodge is not bad. But um, I don't want to parry in this game, so that was yeah. a little frustrating. Yeah. Um, there was a couple like bigger boss or like enemies or something that made you parry a little bit, but I mostly got by with just dodging. Um, and yeah, there's like a bow and arrow as your secondary, so you can basically do blades as your main uh, weapon, and then you can do bow and arrow, and you can do you know that's great for range, but it's also just good in a pinch. 
And uh, the other thing that's really cool about traversal is you can jump on those little ledges where you spin around and you can kind of aim where you're going to land. Yeah, um, you can like if you want to go up or down or left or right when you're spinning on that pole. On those or little poles, yeah. yeah. So that was cool. Everything just feels good. The art is, you know, okay. It's 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 it fits. Um, I wouldn't call it like cartoony, but it's definitely like a stylized stylized for sure. Yeah. yeah. And everything just feels good. The sliding feels good too. <clears throat> I think the controls feel great. So that's my pro. As you can hear, there's a little bit of negative here. It's just that you know, this, this thing happens on our show a lot because we're like ancient men and we've played every game. <laughs> we have, and we are. Ancient Men is a good podcast. Name. That's a pretty good one. I'm going to um, write that down. And so like I've said this on the show before, there's certain genres I'm just not going to play anymore. Like yep. a shmup, a shooter, you know, whatever, the where you go, um, you're on the bottom, you shoot up. Yeah, you like know? a vertical scrolling shooter. Yeah, sure. like I, I can't play those anymore, even if they look good. Um, yeah, a couple games I just can't do. And this is another one of those. I've said it before, like Metroidvanias in general, even Hollow Knight, which is great. Um, I, I just can't do too much of that. That backtracking, um, you know, you have to go get something before you can get to the gate and open it. Ah, man, it just bothers me. And again, I played all of them when they came out, when it was original, you know, sure, like. Sure, sure. But I, I think that not enough is being done in this game that makes me want to keep doing it. Um, and I did find a bunch of places I couldn't get and I had to go somewhere else. I did get lost once because it was like I opened all the gates I thought, but all the you know places I had to go were that blue wall, that little like kind of blue crystal wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just literally, that's when I ended up stopping because I had cleared, I think, the whole map and I couldn't find what the next thing was to do. Um, oh, no, I no, I got past that. I went to the city and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just got bored. Yeah. What What are your thoughts? I mean, this is one of those rare times when I think we are completely in tune about this game. Um, mm. I will say, so, I mean, yeah, I basically agree with everything you said. I mean, I, I didn't I honestly didn't realize it was a Metroidvania at first because it doesn't really seem like it from the trailers. It seemed like an action game where I thought we were going to just mostly be going from left to right or maybe doing a lot of jumping and stuff. But when I, when I realized it was a Metroidvania, I was like, oh, no, like I... I mean, I'll play I'll play them once in a while. It is not my favorite genre by any means. I think there's too many of them. I think a lot of them do too many of the same things. Like, you know, like Hollow Knight. I enjoyed Hollow Knight. But, like, I want to play, like, maybe, like, one Metroidvania, like, a year. I don't I don't enjoy that genre that much, right? Yeah. And so when I realized it wasn't just a straight action game, I was actually a little bit crestfallen. Um, I didn't think you thought it was. That's interesting. I, I mean, kind of feel like I knew that from the beginning. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't following it closely. I just remember seeing the first trailer and I was like, oh, that looks cool. Big boss. And it's got scorpion tail and you're jumping and combos. That seems OK. And like and then it was like, oh, back and forth. And there's a map. And I'm like, oh, I just yeah. I just don't like Metroidvanias anymore. I just don't enjoy them at that much. I mean, I'm not I'm not ruling them out. I'm not saying never. But it's got to be a pretty special one, and I don't think someone quite cleared the bar. Um, the art was just, like, okay. It kind of felt kind of mid to me. And it's weird because I'm not familiar with, like, Persian culture or, you know, that aspect of their, you know, mythology or anything. But when I was watching it, I'm like, this feels kind of like a, I don't know, like a Bollywood production or something. Like, all these big personalities, and everybody's big, and they're kind of joking with each other. It reminded me of some Indian films I've seen, and I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that's... I'm sure there's a big difference between India and and Persia or what you know Iran is what it is now. So I'm not trying yeah, to like of course. I'm not trying to lump these together or anything. I'm just saying like in terms of style, it just felt like 
not what I was expecting, I guess. And I just was like, oh, I don't know if I dig this or not. I do like some Bollywood stuff, so I'm not criticizing that. But oh, I do too. It's yeah, it's, it's it's just not knowing what the vibe was. Yeah, I think both just, of us did that. The yeah. vibe, the vibe, just was like, oh, like oh, I would, I don't know, something about that. Um, too much combo or too much combo combat, and I will say I did not appreciate the parrying at all and i think it's a it's a bad parry system because not only do you have to parry but when there are more than one enemy on screen and often there are you can't parry because you parry the first guy the second guy stabs you yeah and it kind of defeats the whole point of having a parry because you want to slowly look at your opponent and you can even do it fast if you want but it's usually like a one-on-one um you know timing thing a skill thing and if you're getting if there's two guys in front of you one guy in back of you who are you supposed to parry you pick one you can parry one the other two guys get you so that part felt like a complete like why are you even doing this that doesn't make any sense um but just like too much combat i was like i don't i don't want to do a metroidvania i don't want to do all this kind of combat i got to the tutorial guy or whatever and he was like showing me the combos and stuff i'm like i don't want to do that and i just like it you know it just was like i just i'm not the customer for this game i'm just not the customer for this game i i don't i don't think this is going to click with me and i'm a little bit disappointed because i was really looking forward to a platforming adventure and i'm sure that there's lots of platforming in it but like but not like this right not like this you so. know what i think i'm going to back you up because i do think that maybe i thought it was a little more just left to right that's you know kind of what, what I, mean? I was thinking yeah yeah like yeah. an odin sphere or something yeah you know where you go left to right maybe you go up and down on a level but you're not like having to go back yeah. and on top of that to add to your combat thing not to pile on, but uh, the a lot of like just regular ass enemies have a lot of hit points. Yeah, because yeah. I was juggling. You can juggle enemies. Yeah. Um. So I was juggling this one guy for a long time, and I'm like, <laughs> "Are you gonna die?" And he lands, and he gets back up, and I'm like, "I think I killed you," because we I used my swords and hit you in the air like 15 times. You know. Yeah. So that seemed like just buffer like why do you want to keep him alive for so long yeah and then i got like cheap hits too you know the thing from like underneath you yeah i would get hit and stuff so anytime anybody starts juggling in a combat system that's usually when i check out because i'm like that means you're leaning too much into the button combo mashing right yeah 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 yeah. and some people really dig that you know the devil may cry stuff or whatever some people really love that and it's just not my jam i just don't enjoy that so um, I will say one good thing about this. I will say I really, really excellently thought the um, map marker system was good. There's lots of little notations on the map. Some of them are automatic and some of them you can do yourself. You can take a little picture, screenshot oh, of yeah. a Snapshot, certain yeah. sections, which I think is great because sometimes you want to be like, what was the thing I was looking for here? Oh, it was this thing, this treasure chest or this ledge I couldn't reach or something. So that was great. I think the, uh, so I guess number one, I don't want to traverse a big map at all, but if I had to, this would be a good way to do it. Like there's like lots of little arrows and icons and the snapshot picture that you can take a screenshot of is cool. So that was really good. Um, and I'm glad that Prince of Persia still exists because I was a big fan of the earlier games. Not the first one. That was not fun. But when Ubisoft kind of revitalized it the first time, um, Sands of Time and like that whole mm-hmm. trilogy, I had a really good time with all of those. And even the one that came afterwards on 360 where um, he had like the big claw on his hand. That was a weird one, but I still enjoyed that one as well. And those were all third person though, right? I yeah, think. they all yeah, are third person. Yeah. yeah, like behind the back kind of a thing. So I like the IP. I would be up for that, but I don't think this is the one for me. Now, um, I'm looking at the, it looks like to me like the embargo's down. I see like 85 reviews for this game. So I think I'm probably safe to talk about this. And I don't want to speak for Jared. Um, Jared Johnston, one of the writers at Game Critics, but he did give me a little little insight earlier. The first time I asked him about this, I'm like, so, hey, what do you think of this game? Is it, is it worth me spending some money on? The first time he talked to me, he's like, oh, my God, this is like a total mid as fuck, like, uh, you know, um, Metroidvania. He's like, oh, I'm so bored of it. I'm like, OK, that's kind of 
what I was thinking maybe. But then he came back like the next day. He's like, whoa, no, 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 no. He's like, it's actually amazing. It's so good. Once you get past like some certain point, he's like, oh, the platforming kicks in and it's super adrenaline. It's, oh, it's really good. I totally changed my mind. It's, it's excellent. I'm like, okay, so shit. Um, I, that's maybe true. So he, he did a total 180. He sounded just like you and I did for the first couple hours, but then he came back and he could not say enough good things about it, which I guess is fine. But the problem for me is how much of that do I need to push through? And also B, I don't push through things anymore. Like just yeah, give me yeah. your good experience. Um, and let me, let me have fun from the beginning. I don't want to put in several hours before it gets good. So he may be true. There may be something great to this and I'm seeing the reviews on Metacritic and they're like, there's a lot of really high scores. Um, so maybe it gets better, but for me personally, I think I will take my walking papers here. I don't think I'm going to try to get invested in it. I've got a lot of other stuff to play and I don't want to not have fun for a couple hours before I can have fun. Maybe. Yeah. And plus, yeah, the next demo I'm about to talk about is it did the opposite. It was like, no, I'm in, you know, and you can, yeah. you can tell. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Sounds like we're both maybe out of Lost Crown. I'm out. I'm out too. But uh, look for a review at GameCritics.com because like I said, Jared was cold on it and then he super heated up and I think he currently loves it. So okay. maybe they just had a pacing problem. Maybe they should have started bigger. Who knows? I don't know. So there we go. All right. That was Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. Moving on to another demo. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink Rising. Well, no, no Rising. Rising no is ri- a Oh, there's game. no Rising? Yeah, it's just oh, a okay. Relink. My bad. Yeah. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. Carlos, tell us about this game. I don't know about the RPG series, by the way. Have you ever heard Grand Blue? I have heard a lot about Grand Blue, but it's one of those things I've always avoided. I just never wanted to get into it. So Okay. I just didn't know about it. I play almost every RPG, but that's one series I never played. Uh, they had a fighting game that just came out, and I talked about it on the show and liked yep. it. Uh, so this is the actual RPG. It's an action RPG, third person, run around, hit things, and uh, it's an RPG. Cool. So that's it, and the demo came out, and I like it. <laughs> but no, like I was just saying, a perfect segue is that like this is the demo where like as soon as I played it, I was like, yeah, I want to keep doing this for like fifty hours or something. I, all the systems feel good, it, you know, the characters and the models look good, and uh, it just feels fun to play. Like that's it. At the end of the day. So unlike Prince of Persia, I just want to play a lot of this game, and so it comes out at the end of the month, by the way, January. So I will be picking that up. Um, but yeah, what is it? It's um, in the demo. They do a very interesting thing. <clears throat> They're actually focusing a little bit on online stuff. So the first, there's three things you can do in the demo. You can do tutorial, which just shows you how to fight. Then the second one is story. So about an hour of the actual story they show you. Okay. And in that, you 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 know you do the game itself. So you fight monsters, level up, find things, do chests and stuff. And so you you feel the hook of the game. The third section is online, which I, of course, you know, I didn't play, but I like that, that it's there. And basically if you do that, you can play like, uh, like the free to play, not free to play, but, um, the games as service games, you know, where you right. kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. go with people to beat a big boss or something. Sure. So this game has both of those in it, which I think is kind of a smart way to do it where it's got a one player campaign for, you know, what, 60, 70 hours probably. And you can just play that. But they're adding the online component so you can do fun questing with friends if you want to. So I won't, but I, you know, I like that they separated it. So it's not like I have to be part of that world. So that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Um, other than that, yeah, when you finish the, uh, the demo, it gives you some like gifts. So when you actually play the game, you get those gifts, which is cool. 
But the game itself is, you know, you and party members. I can't say too much of the story because they just drop you in kind of in the in the middle. But you're like saving villagers and fighting monsters. And all your party members are doing their own thing, just like a Final Fantasy 15 or whatever game has AI companions. Um, and they all doing doing good fighting. <laughs> they doing good fighting. Bad English. They doing good <laughs> fighting. That's a good podcast name too. Um, yeah, they they fight well. They you know don't run off and get stuck places and stuff. They seem pretty good. And you know there's general RPG fighting. There's combos, all that stuff. Hit right one and hit circle, and you do a special flame move and stuff. So there's a lot of fun combat, a lot of combos, um, some bosses that have a lot of health uh, that I, I, I encountered, and a lot of special moves that your team can do together, which I always like. Uh, like Star Ocean did a lot of that. Yeah. Where yeah. like you know hit a certain button at a certain time, we're all charged up. Tales of Arise did it too, and now we're do this crazy combo. Um, all of it just felt really fucking fun. The dodge, by the way. It's not a dodge roll. It's like a dodge jump okay. where, like, you know, the character jumps up in the air and then also spins away. Uh, it feels really good. And I just always felt, you know, just fun having, you know, uh, fighting in the game. Then the other thing is they do, um, yeah, they do this uh, thing where if you get, like, there's secret chests and there's, like, these little mini games within them. And they just made me kind of annoyed. Where like go collect all the crystals in a in a line. Remember that shit oh, yeah. in games. <laughs> yes, that yes, thing needs sure. to get out of games, dude. Just get out of games. Every time you're like almost the last thing you got to collect, and you fall, and you have to do it all over again. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's a that's a mechanic in the game that I try probably won't play. None of the special chests I'll go get because <laughs> if they're that, I don't want to do it. Um, that's like one of the only things I didn't like. And I guess the other thing is it's very busy. So if there's like five or six monsters you're attacking and your whole party's doing stuff, it's just all over the place, right? No, just a screen full of just happening. It's a lot of screen, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's just a little tricky when you had to like aim, like aiming on um, certain targets. You have to hit it like the right button or whatever it is, trigger or something. It just seemed a little, I got a little lost here and there. But it doesn't matter because everything feels so good and feels so fun and I'm just a sucker for games that are action RPGs done well. So I'll play it. I know I will. It's almost similar to that. What's it? Um, what's it? Valhalla? Not Valhalla. Um, oh, man. The one with the woman. Valkyrie? Yeah. You're, you all know everything. Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Whatever that was. Yeah. That one. A minute I played that, I was like, I love how it feels. The Valkyrie combat. Profile something? No, that's not right. No, that's not right. But, but it's, it's in that series, though. Yes. Yeah. Um, now what is anyway, it? Anyways, remember. so it's like that same thing, right? I played that demo too, and I was like, okay, I'll buy it. So I just love the feel of Grand Blue, and I think that if you like action RPGs that are not Diablo, the old school action RPG, um, like um, the other game I'm excited about, Visions of Mana, which is uh, like Trials of Mana, it yeah. felt like that too. So yeah, not much to say about it. It's a demo. I only it was only an hour long. Well, but pretty positive though. Seems like it, it. The demo did what it was supposed to do and sold you. Yeah, and not like Prince of Persia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it really was just like, yeah, I like these kind of games. There's some messiness. I'm not going to ever do those chests. But besides that, I'm gonna I'll buy it. Yeah, I'll buy it. Right, there you go. Unless Good we get demo. a code. Unless we get a code. I mean, I can look into it. So we'll I see. can look into it. All right, that was Grand Blue Fantasy Relink, and I'm assuming PS5. Yes. Yeah, PS5, PS4. I don't know if it's on all the systems. I sh- should have looked. But it might be PC, PS. I think that I-, I could be wrong, but I believe that's where that one falls. Okay. So we'll see. 
All right, let me talk for a minute about War Hospital. This oh, is no. A, oh, no, why what? By the way, another behind-the-scenes podcast moment, which we what? do a lot of. Yes. When we set up the show every week, I tell Brad what my games are. I'm just realizing this. So yes. he can put it in a list, and we can know Get the how script for the show, right? The yeah. script, yeah. Yeah. You never tell me your games. Rarely. I rarely do. Yeah, almost never. So when you tell one, and that's why people listening hear this now, I'm shocked lots of times. Because I'm like, wait, you played that? I did. Yeah, either because I saw it in the store, or for this case, it seems like a downer. Oh, War yeah. Hospital, the game? Yes. No thanks is my thing, but tell me why what you thought about okay, it. Okay, so let me tell you what this is first, and then I'll tell you why I played it, and I'll tell you what I think of it. So Okay, yes. War Hospital, what is it? It's kind of a top-down, kind of a simulation management game where you are in World War One, and you're in a town. I Man, I don't know where you're at exactly. England, I guess. Um, and the whole town is, like, muddy and gray because everything's, you know, war is going on. You... You're not any one person. You're kind of just like, you know, I don't know, the god managing the hospital where you make decisions, but you're not really like a specific person. You're just it's a the, sim game. It's like yeah, a the sim. You're like an overseer. Yeah. yeah. You're just like you're the cursor, the magic cursor or whatever. So you've got like hospital. You've got people in stretchers bringing little uh, mangled bodies in. You've got, you know, the pharmacy you need to keep running. You've got a train that brings supplies and stuff. Everything is muddy and gray and brown. It's just like, you know, it looks like hell. Um, so why did I, why did I choose this game? I'm not really a war game guy. I'm not really like a sim guy. Why did I play this? Because it looks very much like one game that is the same game that I fucking love. Do you remember what that is, Carlos? I just said it. Frostpunk. Frostpunk. Exactly. I quietly said it. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to be too overt about it, uh, but I'm going to just be really clear. I, I, I really only chose this game because it looks like it's trying to be Frostpunk and I love Frostpunk. It's so good. So I'm like, okay, this seems like I haven't played Frostpunk in a while. You know, there's there's not many of them that are like that, that are that good. And it looks like this is definitely taking lessons from that. I'm going to give this a shot. Mm, that so that's sense. what got me into it, right? So it's not Frostpunk. Uh, not even close. Uh, I think it's trying to be. I definitely think it's trying to be, but I don't think they got there. This one, long story short, this feels like it needs like at least six months or a year more in the oven to like file off some of the rough edges, to like add some content, to make it a little bit... Uh, more compelling because basically when you start off there's like lots of little irritations the text is really small and like i'm playing on a when i review games uh on console my tv is fucking big i mean it's like i mean i don't even it's like 60 inch or something like it's a really large tv Mm -hmm. i don't know is that big is that big is not big i I think i think mine might be 48 or 50 yeah. Yeah, I, think yeah, I got good. it on sale. I'm not rich. I went to like one of those uh Black Friday oh. sales a couple years ago. Dude, you don't have to be rich to get a big TV nowadays. They're like all six hundred dollars or less. Oh, okay. Well yeah. right. regardless, I'm you know, I didn't spend like, you know, a bunch of money. It was affordable. Uh but anyway, it's huge. It's huge. It's like the biggest TV I've ever owned. And I'm squinting to see the text on this screen, dude. And you can't adjust the text size. So I can only imagine what it would be like if you were playing this on like a a smaller TV, like there's no way you'd be able to read the text. It's way too small. So yeah. that was a problem. Uh, I think the pictures were not clear. The pictures are pretty small, like the uh, profiles of the characters you have, the doctors and the nurses you have. And also the thing that was really difficult for me was like they don't really seem to put a lot of uh, work into the UI where when you're in like the map view mode, when you're looking at all your different buildings, your hospital, your surgery center, your nursing center and stuff like that, you there's no reticle. Like you can't see what you're pointing at. And then when you... There's, I guess there's an invisible reticle, but you can't see it. And when you manipulate it over the thing that you're going to select, there is only a very slight 
lightening of the outline of the building. If you're not, it's it's very hard to see if you've selected the building or not. Mm. And I'm like, oh, am I in the mud? Am I in the building? Where Where's my fucking, how do I know what I'm selecting? And I'll go over to this thing and try to select the hospital. And I'm like, I'm in the mud. And I can't, I'm like, where's the, uh, where's the reticle? I can't find it. So that's a problem. There's lots, lots of like little issues there. There's not very many options in the, in the settings, which I think is a problem as well. Um, but basically it feels like it wants to be Frostpunk in World War One, where it's like grim situation. Men are getting sent to us from the front line. They're all blasted. We've only got like so many doctors. The doctors are exhausted. We don't have enough drugs. What do we do? We got to make some hard choices. Who do we surgery on? Who do we not surgery? Who can be saved? Who can't be saved? And then when you save some people, you got to decide to send them back to the front line or send them home. So it seems like ripe for a lot of the kind of decisions that I found so compelling in Frostpunk. Um, just put a pin in that for now. If you don't know what Frostpunk is, just hang on just a second because I will get to it like in a few moments. So just hold on to that. Um, so I'm starting to play this, but I think the difference between this game and Frostpunk is the narrative. I mean, number one, besides all the roughness and stuff, but like in Frostpunk, it's your, it's a, it's him, you know, you're, you're managing your heat and you're in a frozen area. You got to like build some stuff, but like, there's always human elements. There's like people who are like, oh, the workers are on strike. Okay. What do they want? They want this other thing or, oh, Hey, this guy got hurt. What do you want to do with this guy? And like, they keep offering you these little human elements that really get you in. And they also do a good job of communicating the overall situation of like, oh shit, we've only got 15 days before bad stuff happens. We really got to get this stuff done. And like, it feels pressure and you're rushing to this kind of thing. In this game, I, I didn't care about anything. Like I know it's supposed to be about, you know, who gets saved on the surgery table, who doesn't, who, you know, who gets the drugs, who doesn't get them, who gets amputated, who doesn't. I just, I didn't give a fuck. It was like all just like, little menu things and people that I didn't care about. And these, you know, just like just menus and stuff and things. It it wasn't human. It didn't have gravitas to it. Mm. Um, And a lot of times I felt like there was like nothing happening where I was just like waiting for something to to click through or I'd select a few things and I'm just kind of just sitting there just watching it. And I'm like, this is like, nothing's going on. Like nothing's happening. I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Like I'm not really, invested in any way it just needed more human element it needed more focus it needed more drive it needed more more blood and guts to make you care about what you're doing like i i think there's i think it's on the right track right i think this is the right subject material i think this is the right tone i think the visual style is really good like when you look at it just screenshots you're like ooh, that looks pretty grim and if you know what frostpunk is like you're like okay i get the vibe i get where they're going for that makes sense um so i think certain things in this game are really on track i just don't think it's there yet i think it needs you know better ui better storytelling, better pacing. Um, it's just, it just doesn't feel done to me. And I think uh, it's just not keeping my attention in any way. So let me offer up um, an alternative theory. Yeah. Yeah. Even not having played the game, but just knowing you and knowing that hearing that review um, or preview is Frostpunk had like, again, if it's dystopian and there's a little element of like fantasy almost in a way, a little bit, yeah, steampunk there's, sort of thing. Yeah, there's something that you can grasp onto. You know, there's like a, a narrative or there's an idea or there's something unique. And I think a game like these need that. Yeah. Um, this is Return to World War One, So I disagree with you, um, just to disagree, Sure. that the setting is right because I'm fucking over that. Like, let's, let's move past these damn wars that were terrible and shitty uh, and just, I don't know, do anything else. So yeah. I don't care that it's World War One and... You know, I do care about like, you know, the 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 hard work that goes on in hospitals is important. So that'd be cool to have a maybe a futuristic hospital or something else or a story like you said that goes through this hospital. Right. But if there's not enough narrative, there's not enough reason. 
then it's just like a depressing thing you're doing. True, true. No, I so. think that's true. And I, you know, and uh, I, I do want to be clear. I think this could work. I think it could have worked for me even. But like you said, I think I needed like a main character or something. I needed like, something. oh, Dr. So-and-so is struggling with something and you need to help them get through this. Or maybe it's like the first woman doctor in World War One, and she needs to make the hard calls or something. There you or, go. There you, you know, go. anything like that I think would have really gotten me in. It just feels like you're doing a bunch of menu work. And you have this general concept, but it's not coming together. You aren't feeling it. You're not really like worried about anything. It just felt like, okay, I'll just move some guy over here and move this thing over here and a guy over there and uh, the timer. Okay, I'll move this thing. And uh, like it just, it just, it just did not grab me. But I think it could. I really think it could. I just, it just needs more time in the oven. I don't think it's there yet. So, all right. All right. That is War Hospital. Uh, that one is a miss for me, but I think maybe, you know, again, maybe six months in a year might be something really to come back to. So we'll see. Uh, all right, Carlos, your one of your two backlog games. You're really leaning into our New Year's resolution, which I appreciate. Sleeping Dogs. Uh, we talked about this briefly, I think, last episode. I've played it. Uh, I think I played maybe like half, and I'm curious to see what you think now that you're coming back to it after, I would probably guess, a pretty substantial amount of time. Yeah, we can look up. We didn't look up the... I didn't do homework. When did it come out? We can look that I'll up. I'll look it up. You talk, I'll look it up. It came out a long time ago. I mention it on the show a lot when we talk about open world games. I literally mentioned it last episode, and I said something like, yeah, you don't like that game because you don't like open world games, do you, Brad? And you said no. Not really, no. 2012. 2012. Okay. See, oh, so, wait. Wasn't the other game that we just talked about? 2012. I Am Alive. I'm going to check that one right now. I think it was 2012. That's crazy. That's the year of the backlog, I guess. Um, so anyways, what is it? It's an open world game uh, where you, it's like a GTA. Yep. 2012, both of them. Oh, my goodness. That's so weird. That was a weird coincidence. I didn't plan that. Um, is it Ubisoft? No. Ubisoft is I Am Alive. The other one is not. Um, I'm looking it up because I don't like the fact that I don't know um, that. United Front Games. United Feral Front Interactive. Games? Yeah. What the hell? So it was published by Square Enix. And I do not know what United Front Games is or Feral Interactive. Um, but whoever they are, um, we should see if they're still around. I'm looking it up. I'm I think they did up. an incredible job. Um, Mod Nation Racers, Sleeping Dog, Little Big Planet Karting, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Halo Master Chief Collection, Disney Infinity 3.0. Uh, yeah, so they did a lot of porting work, and then they did a couple of their own games. Wow, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, it is a open world game. Um, you play as an under under um, undercover. Couldn't say that word. Detective uh, Wei Shen. And so, and you're actually, um, you're not in America. Where are you? Oh my goodness. Are you in Hong Kong or something like that? Hong Kong, I think. I think it's Hong Kong. Hong Kong is your playground. Yes. And uh, so you were in America and you became a cop at some point. So you go back to Hong Kong and, you know, you have a lot of friends there, but you're undercover. So you're pretending to be part of the gangs there. Yeah. And so you can like basically get information for the cops. So that's an interesting you know, uh, flip, you know, cause it's not just like go and join a gang and be the best gang person. It's like, no, you're actually trying to get these people arrested, you know, which is kind of nuts. Um, and I remember now, cause in that first playthrough I played when it came out, you actually do a little bit of relationship stuff too. Cause you meet a person and there's like fun dates and stuff you go on. There's a lot more than just fighting. Right. Um, right. And so I remember that story being really fun. It felt like a little bit like karate kid at times. Uh, the story does, I think. Yeah, I will um, say that the concept of being undercover is something that we don't do a lot in games. I think, that, right. uh, if I remember correctly, there was aspects of where you had to kind of maintain your cover. Like you had to do some 
bad things to kind of make the bad guys think that you were bad. And sometimes you had to do things to protect your cover. Yeah. So that's something that I think is that people could lean into a little bit more. We don't see a lot of that. We don't. And also, I think the combat's very good. So it's third person, you know, GTA game. And there's a there's something that also a lot of um, open world games don't do much, which is there's like kill moves within the environment. So when you grab people, you can like obviously do combos, punch, kick, all that kind of stuff. There's guns at some point. But um, you can grab people, grapple with them, and then if you see something in the environment, like a trash can or a soda oh, machine, that's right. yeah, yeah, you yeah. can like literally put them in there, like smash them into it, and like it's an instant kill. Yeah, kind of like Yakuza. We don't see that feature yeah, it's very a Yakuza often either. Thing. Yes, yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just going back to it was like, oh my goodness, this is fun as shit to play. Like it feels really good when you kill that last guy or girl and anybody in the fight. It does that slow motion thing, you nice, know? Nice, nice. Satisfying. It. It's very satisfying. And the gunfights are, you know, okay. I actually like punching and kicking a lot more than doing that. But then you, the driving feels fun. There's bikes. There's, the, there's a, something else that's kind of from a John Woo film or something or martial arts films is what there's like those chase scenes, which you can get bored of in games. But these ones, they just all the pacing and the like the setup for those chases are great. Where like you do that move where you jump across, you know, a, a counter and it does that kind oh, of slide yeah, yeah, move. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And but like uh, there's physics and stuff, so you like smash people's sushi <laughs> where you're jumping over tables, <laughs> and like they set up what are they? They're called set pieces, right? Yeah. They set yeah. up those chase set pieces so fun that every other game I'm bored of them or get mad or I die, you know. And in this game, I liked every time there was a chase scene. I was like, Yeah, like, this is one where you can like chase guys down alleyways and like they like throw boxes in your way. You got to jump over the boxes yeah. and like dodge over the dumpsters through windows. And stuff, right? Yeah, you know, it looks like a martial arts action sequence. It does, yeah, or right? like a funny comedy because like lots of times you're like people are just going like, "What the hell?" You know, they're holding that plate glass window, walking by, <laughs> and you're like, "Choose!" Exactly. There's so yeah. many times I like capture footage of me just you know ruining people's day. I think that's that's the TikTok, <laughs> by the way, that's coming. Uh, Clips right. to the ground. I'm looking forward to these clips. Yes. Carlos ruins people's day in Sleeping Dogs because it's just so easy to do. There's you know, people are holding things. They drop them when you hit them. So minus the world being fun and alive, and I think it's, you know, 2012, and it's a really good open world. It feels open, and those NPCs are really doing a lot of things. Um, and it feels like Hong Kong, and there's Cantonese. So it's like, you know, most people are speaking English mixed with Cantonese, and, um, and it just feels legit, you know. There's also, like, games, and there's cockfights, which I will not do. Um, and there's karaoke. Oh, oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. Yep. I never did those. Uh, but there's karaoke and stuff. And man, oh man, it's a fucking great game. I'm glad I went back to it because I cannot believe, and I'm disappointed in myself that I never beat it. Um, I don't know why now because as I'm playing it again, I'm like, oh my goodness. It also came with uh, DLC. One is a literally non-canon version where it's vampires. I was just gonna say that because you, you got the definitive edition. Though. Yeah, so you I got the everything. Edition. Yeah. And the vamp- I never played the vampire one, ever. I didn't even touch it. I think I have played the vampire one. Did you? Yeah. Was I it fun? I I, you know, now that you're talking about it, I do. I mean, I just don't like GTA games that much. But I think this, you're, like you're talking about, I'm like, oh, maybe I did like this one. But I remember not finishing it. But I did play the DLC. And I did play a pretty good amount of it. Maybe I should go back to it, too. Maybe. Oh, my goodness. Maybe. Maybe. It's it just everything it hits right because it's doing things just a little bit differently. You know, and it doesn't feel, especially those story bits feel really good and yeah. you feel invested immediately and then you get put into prison and you're like, I don't know, it just feels smart. And I remember that I had a date once and I, I was like driving a girl on the back of a bike and 
Uh, that was for my first playthrough. So anywho, I just love it. And I'm gonna I think I'm just gonna go beat the original game because not only is there the vampire DLC, but there's a part two DLC to like a continuation of the oh, story. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. That you get from the definitive edition. Which by the way, not a sponsor of the show, but it's on Steam as well. Uh Definitive Edition's like twenty dollars now. So holy shit, I'm just so glad I picked this one to go back to. Um and I'm gonna beat it. Something is really fun about um coming to games like this several years later you know i always say something the best time to play a game is like six months after or a year after maybe the best time to play is like 11 years after jeez because or even 12 years after because uh you know you're going back you're getting you're paying 20 bucks which is in the world of video games not a very big sum and you're getting like the complete thing after it's already been polished to fuck you get all the dlc and you're having a good time right like if you don't care about the the latest newest thing it sounds like you're having an excellent experience i mean it almost sounds like i should go back and play this again too and you you know for like a song i mean that sounds like a, a really great thing to do of course you know you can't just live only on on backlog games i mean i guess you could but then the industry would have some trouble if we didn't buy new games so i'm not saying starve out the developers but you know in a situation like this when the work's been done and it's sitting around and sometimes you want to go back to something older it's just kind of like i don't know kind of like watching an old movie or reading an old book or something oh like, yeah you, know, you don't need to forget that the old things exist right so this sounds like a pretty cool thing I wouldn't say 11 years, though, because, you know, the edges of the graphics, the edges of the the rough edges of the AI and stuff, you know, it's totally visible. Sure. And, like, we're right up against, well, kind of up against. There's probably, like, a, a, a best buy date, and it's probably, you know. Right. Before it becomes unplayable because it's too ugly or too rough. Yeah, because GTA 6, you know, it's, like, right around, not, you know, around the corner a couple of years or whatever. That thing's going to, like, destroy when it comes to, like, or just change people's minds about open world. Yeah. And graphics and AI and stuff. So I think there's a time limit for that. But yeah, even if I would have played this like a few years after, I probably would just beat it because it is really, really good. But the, all that said, everything holds up. Like it all feels fun. And the ruining people's day is like one of my favorite things to do in this game because the AI like really reacts to being hit. You know, like if you're like bumping into them, they're like, what the hell? Um, only, you know, in Cantonese, basically. Right. Um, right. so I love this game. I highly recommend great backlog. Excellent. Excellent. That sounds like a winner, dude. That sounds like a winner. It is. Oh man. Okay. So good. Good deal. Maybe we'll turn some people on to sleeping dogs and they'll go back and play it and have a wonderful experience for $20 and just enjoy the fuck out they of that. They should. So, yeah. Right on. Okay. My backlog game for yes. this week, as I've kind of already ruined the surprise is actual Frostpunk. I started playing war hospital because it looked like Frostpunk, and I'm like, man, this is, does not feel like Frostpunk. But you know what does feel like Frostpunk? Frostpunk. Frostpunk. It does. So I didn't go back to it to play the main campaign because I very rarely ever, ever, ever replay campaigns. Like in the whole history of my life, I can think of maybe like handful of games that I want to replay the campaign. This is not one of them. But Frostpunk had a shitload of DLC, and they were all different like story-based scenarios, which is like my favorite kind of DLC. I love that. Yeah. So in Frostpunk, what is it? It is a game, sim, top-down, kind of God's-eye view thing where you're playing uh, the manager of a facility. The whole world is succumbing to global warming, or I guess more accurately, global cooling. The whole world is fucking freezing. It's going into like an ice age, and you're doing your best to hold off the ice age. And how you do this is you build this gigantic fucking generator in the middle of this little circular valley, 
and the generator powers everything. It powers your machines. It heats your homes. It, you know, powers your surgery centers. It does everything. Like the generator does everything. It is the, it is the, the center of your life and you've got to keep it going at all costs. Wait, 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 Brad, yes. don't you need a generator in your basement then? I fucking probably do need a generator in my basement. That's absolutely That could true. help you fix things, yeah. I think I need to get one of those in here. That's a good idea, Carlos. Thanks. Good idea. So that's the idea. It's it's steampunk, quasi-fantasy. And the thing that I really like about Frostpunk is the developers polished the fuck out of it, and they also made it approachable by people who are not sim uh, geniuses already. That That's something that has tripped me up in the past, where... Some people tell me about some sim game or something and they're like, oh, man, you should try it. You love it. Okay. Okay, cool. And then it's like it relies on all this um, previous knowledge. You have to have familiarity with the genre. Sometimes a lot of like micro, micro, micromanaging, a lot of stuff where it's hard to read and you got to figure out the stats and it's like, oh, my God, I can't. Nah, this is not playable enough for me. But this one really does it. So I am not a sim guy. And for anybody listening, if you are not a sim person, that's okay. This is the sim game that is made for people who are not sim fans because not only does the UI make sense plays great on a console. I'm playing on an Xbox and it's wonderful. Um, I also think they put enough human aspect in it to make you really feel involved. You're not just like crunching numbers on a spreadsheet and stuff. You are seeing the plight of these people. You're seeing people who get frostbite and they become amputees. You're seeing the, the coal shovelers who are so sick of their working conditions, but they can't stop or else the whole camp dies. You're seeing the ice getting closer and closer every fucking day. You're trying to find food. You're trying to find wood to burn. You're trying to find anything. And just the whole struggle is very well couched. It makes sense. It's very easy to approach. Uh, everything about the game just really comes together. There's all sorts of different options. There's choices. There's skill tree. There's narrative branching. Fucking great, fucking awesome fucking game, dude. I mean, it's like, I don't think that I reviewed it, but if I reviewed it, it would probably be like a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10. You should have by the time, how many times you talked about it. I talk about it all the time, yeah. But can I add those one thing yeah, to yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I right. think the other thing that's really cool is that it shows the actual people living yes. those lives like yes. you can zoom in on little people which reminds me of the sims and all those games that i like where you can see the people living their life and they even have dialogue yep like you yep. Can hear the little people say things i think that's a huge part of this oh i agree you can zoom in to a shocking degree you can see little individual people you can click on literally anybody in the fucking anybody. city and it'll be like oh sally johnson she lives in the tent she's fucking cold last meal was tuesday or whatever yeah you yeah, can find yeah. out any of that stuff if you want you can i mean if it's there if you want it but you totally don't need it it's not something that the game hinges on but yeah you get individual stories you get voice clips that are accompanied by text that are like oh i'm so hungry i hope the hope the overseer has rations today or something or somebody's like oh it just adds coming. to it yeah, yeah. the and the atmosphere is fucking king in this fucking game so i love frostpunk um, and I was uh, talking to some folks recently uh, in the in our Discord and also in the Gaming of the Wild Discord. I spent some time over there, too. And uh, a lot of people haven't played it. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys, everybody listening, you've got to at least try Frostpunk. It's like if you're going to play only one of those games ever, this is the one to play. Like, it's so good. So anyway, I finished the main campaign, thought it was fucking great. Finished uh, all the DLCs. Like, there's some where it's like... Uh, the land shape is different, or sometimes you've got limited resources, or sometimes you've got not enough people. Like, whatever. There's all these little different story scenarios. And they include story, which is great. It doesn't feel like just an exercise. But there's one DLC that I have never finished. It's called The Last Autumn. This is the DLC, which was the very last DLC. This was like the end, end, end game for people like me who've been through all the rest of the game. This tells the story of what happened before the ice came. And so... Mm. It's still warm outside. There's still plenty of food. You can sail in the water because the ocean's not frozen. There's trees and everything. And so this is the story of the rush to build the very first generators before 
the globe starts getting cold. So I'm like, okay, cool. I've never finished this one. This one is so fucking hard. It it makes me want to cry, dude. So regular Frostpunk is difficult, but there's lots of sliders difficulty. You can customize it. I think anybody can finish Frostpunk, no problem. Um, I think most of the DLC is interesting. It's not really necessarily more difficult, but I think it just challenges you in different ways, asks you to think in different ways. I finished all of them, no problem. I think, you know, first or second try, no big deal. The Last Autumn is so fucking hard. It changes up the pace of the game. It changes up the structures. Anything that you know from the main campaign of Frostpunk doesn't quite apply because different factors are a thing like motivation of your workers is much more important. Um, You're on a much stricter timeline and then you're kind of like building things from the ground up and all the other scenarios, your generator is already built and you're just managing the, the functioning of the generator. In this one, you actually have to build it. So there's like toxic gases underground when you're digging out the tunnel your workers are complaining as they're getting killed and they're getting hurt you know you don't have enough safety features and then your bosses are constantly in your fucking back about hurry up hurry up hurry up oh my god dude i mean i love it and i think it's really great i, I think i probably tried it 10 times and i failed it out the first time and i put it away i haven't touched Frostpunk for a couple years at least at least and i'm like okay i need to play some Frostpunk right now because this game kicks ass and i came back to the last autumn the one thing i haven't done i think i've played it four times at least four or five times in the last couple of days and i have failed it every single fucking time oh man dude. and there's no slider I, it's on the easiest settings it's all oh, on the easiest shit. setting dude and i'm like oh my god so like i every time you play one of these runs it's not fast i mean it's like a three hour maybe a four hour run depending on how it goes for me anyway it's probably about three hours so i have thrown away three hours like four or five times in the last couple of days it's making me crazy but I love this game. I think it's great. And I have to beat this. I have to beat this DLC. I have to. This is like my new Sekiro moment, right? Where I had to beat Sekiro. Mm. And we re-chronicled that on the podcast. I came back to it and all that shit. If you want to hear my heartbreak and my headaches and my eventual triumph, you can hear that in the previous episodes. This is my new Sekiro, dude. I have to beat The Last Autumn. I have to do it. I have to. Yeah, that's tricky because when it gets too difficult and there's not a slider, or you said you use a slider. I'm on maximum easy sliders, the easiest possible sliders. I'll just nope the frick out, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, I'm looking at Frostpunk real quick. And yes, to to finish your thoughts, uh, everybody should try it because it is fun. And obviously, you bring a game up that many times in the show, you know, people should probably check it out. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. But I'm looking at Frostpunk 2. Yes. And a 2024 release date, it says. That's what they say. And the graphics are kind of ridiculous, like amazing. Um, so that's happening. And by the way, developer and publisher is Love Emit Studios. Every time we look this up, I get confused. They can't be the full developer because Love Emit Studios does 8 million different types of games. And it doesn't seem like the same developer. They did this War of Mine, which yeah, they did. tracks. But then like Beat Cop, Tower 57, Moonlighter. Uh, Children of Morda, all these games I mean, we I think talked just about. Become, I think they were a studio that became a publisher because they got really successful. So I think that, you know, they have kept the name. I think they're just like now an imprint, but I think this is their, their core team possibly. Wow, they work on a lot of... South of the Circle. Uh, that was a good one too. The Invincible, which we both didn't care for. But yeah, but I just... It kind of falls in this bucket too though. It is. I guess it is that bucket. Moonlighter, I guess, could be in that bucket. It's an interesting bucket, isn't it? Um, they make yeah, a lot they of good, make some cool games. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Some cool choice. I don't, you know, we don't necessarily like them all, but I think what they go for is always yeah. really attractive. I think we like their ideas for sure. I think That's, we really do. And yeah. uh, Frostpunk 2, man, you should be really excited, bro. 
Well, I am really excited, but it's got to be one of those games where I'm not going to play it until like six months after. Number one, I'm going to wait for a console version. But number two, there's always the inevitable rebalancing. There's always the inevitable repatching. And this is one of those ones where I'm like, no, no, no. I really want to get into this. I'm not going to be day one. I want the best possible experience. So I'm going to wait. So I am okay. excited, but I'm going to wait for the best. But I will say, I don't want to scare anybody off. I think if you haven't played Frostpunk, absolutely is like a must play. Like you must play it. I think you can you can play the main campaign no problem. You can probably even finish most of the DLCs no problem. It's worth playing for sure, even if you don't like this style of game, because it's made for people who don't like this style of game. And I, goddamn it, I'm fucking. I will beat the last autumn. It is. I have to do it. It's my my you new white to. whale. I have to. Uh, so it's so. a backlog backlog. It's like an extra part of the backlog. And can yes. I go on a tangent real quick? Yeah, backlog it's, grudge match. Yeah, grudge match exactly. Um, you know, it's funny when you say, because we, we do or disagree on that. Like, I don't always say that it's six months, a year, or whatever. I don't think that that's the best time to play a game. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. Um, oftentimes, you know, developers do fix things. But to that point, and to something that I had in housekeeping, I think last week I didn't get to uh, organically uh, bring it up now, is, you know, there was a time where there was no fixing games. Very true. And the disc was sealed or the cartridge was done or the PC game was a, a floppy disk, and it was over, right? That and was it. I kind of missed that in a way, because not only do a lot of games and services release broken or just say we're going to fix it later in V2 and all that bullshit, you know, that is um, a thing, a kind of trope or something that people, developers can get stuck into, where now it's just like kind of shorthand to be like, hey, it's not done, but at least you can play it. Uh, and then, of course, early access, you know, affected that, too. Right. I don't know. I just think that, that like, if we had games that were finished and you couldn't update them anymore with the Internet, that would we see games be more finished? Would we see that? I mean, it, it feels kind of like a chicken and egg thing to me, right? Because back in the day, back in the, when you launched a game and that was it, you were done. Like, that's all there was. I mean, I think that you had to really put more resources in, into, like, bug fixing and polishing. And sometimes you might have the scope a little bit smaller you, you couldn't approach a game with the idea of, well, we'll fix it later. And I think that's kind of the things that's crept in. That was one of our great fears. I don't know if you remember this, but before we could download content, before there was like, you know, online gaming and stuff back in those dark days, that was the fear that once we did this online stuff, that developers would start to ship unfinished, more buggy, less polished, because they knew they would have more time after the game launched. And that's exactly what happened. That's literally exactly yes. what happened. Now, some are more guilty of it than others. And also, mm. it's kind of different because we didn't really foresee early access. That's a new thing that's also grown out of this trend as well. Um, you know, pros and cons, mixed feelings on that, whatever. But I do kind of miss the, the days when it was like, we got to get this kind of like basically right the first time and yeah. kind of launch like that. Now, of course, there's like balancing and stuff and i'm sure the economics are different more play testing beforehand more polished and stuff but yeah i kind of i that's why I, I'm, I'm often saying now i'm not going to really play anything i really want to play until six months after because i know they're not going to ship it in the best possible state they just they don't do that anymore well some games do and i we could do it we could do a list because i do have a list i never bring it to the show but i have a list of games i played when they came out there was no bugs and it was fine it was a great experience so that exists i need to put that out there into the ether. That's fair. That's it fair. really does exist. I have many examples. And if you want, I will bring them to the show. Um, but you're right. Like, I just feel like um, because they know they can get away with it, you know, lots yeah. of times they won't. So, yeah. anywho, next game. Anyway, Frostpunk, fucking amazing. Go Frostpunk, play it. amazing game. Last game of the show. Your Is it? second. Yeah, last game of the show. Wow. Already? Your backlog, your second backlog game, Path of Exile. We've talked about this many times. I've played it. You've played it. Uh, yeah. The, 
top-down Diablo-like. I think it's a game. It's a live service game. There's always updates. There's always new content. Uh, so I guess what brought you back to Path of Exile, and where are you with it now, Carlos? So it's ARPG. That's what they like calling these games now. But again, action RPG is weird because it could be a lot of things. But Diablo. It's a Diablo game, right? Yep. And it's uh, like you said, it's online, and you can obviously play with other people, but you can also just play solo. And whenever you go to hub towns, you see other people, et cetera. But um, yeah, it's one of those games where free to play, go in, invest time. And if you want, you can spend some money on some little things, cosmetics, et cetera. Uh, nothing pay to win, you know, just basically like your lifestyle and the, the style of clothing and pets, by the way. Yeah. Um, so the real answer of why I went back is I was watching, um, oh my goodness, I forgot her name. I was watching this girl, I watch uh, stream games, and she was playing, uh, her name's Rachel, I forgot her uh, tag, Twitter tag, but um, she was playing and she had two pets following her, and one was like, a uh, what was it, some sort of frog with a helmet, a space helmet. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And like a chicken or something, I don't know, just two weird looking things following her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I love that. I, I'm the person who likes that kind of thing. Um, I don't know if I had, I don't think I had a pet in Diablo 4. And I played like 200 hours of that game. But in this one, you know, they're, you know, it's been going on forever. We could look that uh, release date, uh, release date as well. Path of Exiles, a long time came out. Yeah, for sure. And so there's a million pets, right? Like you go to the microtransaction store, which by the way, they don't pull no punches. That's what they call it. <laughs> they're just like, oh, they're, yeah, they're up It's just a tab. It, it's like microtransactions. This is a store. Do you have money? Because this is a store. This is a yes. store. And so there's tons of fun stuff to get if you want. I did, by the way, I did. And I'll tell you about it. But yeah, I, I really went back because one, I saw pets and I was like, oh, I did never really beat that main campaign. And I did like it. And I just played, you know, so much of Diablo 4. Done with that for a while. Put that on the shelf. 200 plus hours. You know, I'm done for a bit. Uh, the seasons didn't really grab me. So I was like, well, let me go back to Path because uh, Path of Exile 2, I believe, is coming out next year. And I have saw some footage from that. It looks incredible. So it'd be great to know the ecosystem, right? The gem tabs, all that stuff. So that, And this is a nerdy kind of reason. But when I say okay, I'll beat Path this year, and then I'll, you know, play some DLC or whatever. I'll do some stuff in it, go up the tree. And and then when two comes out, I'll just be ready, if that makes sense. You'll just be familiar. You'll know what to do. You'll you'll see the new changes, but you always have the the basic information ready and fresh yes. in your brain. Like a new Diablo season comes out, I know exactly what to do. You know, or in general, I know where I should, like, focus. So that's the main reason. Uh, two reasons. One, the pets. But also, mainly, I just wanted to kind of re-establish mm-hmm. that world and understand it. And also just because I hadn't beaten it. So there's some positive and negatives about it. One, the first thing I did was buy pets. And I bought cats. Of um, course. I'm of a course. cat person. And one of the cats is a, like a, a spirit cat. And it just floats around and has like rainbows around it. It's amazing. Uh, and they don't do anything. They don't attack. They don't do anything at all. They're just, just strictly there. cosmetic. Yeah. They can't die, which makes you feel good. And they go hang out in your hideout at some point. But like, yeah, I bring them with me. And I bring one cat per trip. And as I'm fighting, it does things, and sometimes it meows. And can you bring more than things. one cat? You can't. You can have up to two pets following you. I think. Okay. So I had both out for a little while, but it gets a little busy on screen. So, anywho, and then I went back to play, and yeah, the biggest negative that they fixed in Path of Exile Two is there's no dedicated dodge roll button, 
which is crazy in this day and age. Right? That is that is pretty. Cra- I don't remember that, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, what's also crazy is the one that is in Diablo Four has a cooldown. Which is you stupid. get tired. You get tired. No, it's fucking stupid. It's fucking. Have you stupid. done dodge rolling real life? You get really tired, dude. Have Have we talked about dodge rolling on this podcast? And you're going to try to tell me that I care about <laughs> that? No, I'm you saying try. Go to the park. Roll around, you'd be like, oh, Brad's right. I got kind of tired. I got to take I a do- break. I dodge roll once and I'll hurt myself, okay? So <laughs> You're going to the world's the- longest cooldown, dude. Yeah, my cooldown will be go to the hospital. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Physical that therapy, is- six months cooldown. That's a true statement. Uh, I need to get in better shape. Anywho, um, yeah, the-, the dodge rolls should not have stamina. And the new one in POE, too, won't. So they, they announced that. They're like, we're going to add a dodge roll and you can just do it. Because it makes the combat fun, Brad. It makes it fun. Trials of Mana, blah, 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 right? Yeah, and it's got it's got to be fun, right? It's got to be. That's what that. Why are we even doing this if it's not fucking fun? It's got to right. be fun. Well, and also the fun slash um, helpful when you're trying to you know play a game for two hundred hours and you're trying to do other mechanics in the game. If one mechanic's holding you back, then you can't do the other ones, right? Exactly. There's so many exactly. other buttons. So that's the one thing I you know missed right away is you had to wait for a gem. To special power, all the gems, by the way, are special powers, right? So they're either passives or they're actual, you know, like in Diablo, a thing you can do, like a ground pound or a leap in the air or a dodge or whatever. Right. So you get the gems, you input them into your different, you know, armors or weapons, and then they you have that ability. It, it's it's very similar to Diablo, um, but in this, I feel like there's a lot of gem slots everywhere, and so, you know, the very first thing I had to do was get like shield bash. Which means like now I can go across the screen quickly, right? But but before that, you're just walking and standing still and fighting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. in the beginning, it doesn't feel fun that it way. It feels a little crazy. I do remember that thinking like, what the hell is going on? Why am I standing here? This yeah, is why am I so. standing here? There's all these enemies. Um, but what you have to do, because I had to f- fight my first boss, uh, is that you have to run around the screen and not attack. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's yeah. like you're not dodging and attacking again. You're like running away. Running around. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it feels old school. But that said, it's super addictive. I mean, this is why there's communities around these games. Uh, there's it's a, a huge. It's been alive for such a long time, too. So huge. obviously it's successful. They know it. Yeah. Doing. What's the release date? Did you look it up? No. I'm going to look it up right now. POE has a massive community. One of those uh, YouTubers I watched, Dar- uh, Darth Microtransaction, uh, he started with Diablo. He went back to Path as well. Probably a third reason. I 2013. So we are we are in the 2012, 12, 2013 pocket. Yep. That could be the podcast name, by the way. Could be. Um, you know, he went back too, uh, and uh, Darth Microtransaction, and I was like, it was just fun watching him play. So yeah, this game is addictive as shit. I love it. And now that I can move around the screen a little better with some uh, power ups, it's just fun. And here's the last thing I'll say about it: why it's very cool compared to Diablo and some other superhero-y RPGs where you're like, you're the main person, you know, to save yeah, the whole yeah, fucking yeah. world and fight Diablo. This game, you are a nobody. You literally, uh, you know, classic uh, wash up on the shore bullshit, right? That's that's a trope. Yeah. But yep. you are literally like a prisoner, like an asshole who is like outcasted, right? Exile, right? Path and of you, Exile is where you get the name. Yeah. And you like land in this little place where there's a teeny town not even a town, it's just like a little rock crevice area with people hanging out. And they're like, yeah, you're like a shitty person and we're all shitty people and we're basically like prisoner people who like escaped because, you know, we crashed, the boat crashed or whatever. And now you've got to like go work yourself 
uh, up the ladder, but pe- mo- no one really cares. <laughs> they don't care about you. You know, this world doesn't give a shit about you. And I thought that was very cool. Like, I think a couple RPGs do that, but you're just a person. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy or girl, and you're you not start... the chosen one, basically. No, not, not at all. And the only thing you're doing is you're helping this like couple ragtag group in the beginning, like find a good like way through, like a passage, because they like want to leave the beach and stuff. And so you're just like fighting monsters and you know going like you would do in a uh, ARPG. But yeah, you're just doing it to do it. And like you get to this prison and like you had to fight this huge boss. And you go back to the guy, and you're like, "Yeah, I beat that boss." And they're like, "Oh, cool. <laughs> All right, so um, I don't know. You can go north, I guess, if you want." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I went north. Like that was like that's my next mission is like just go north. Go north, young man. Yeah. So anyway, I love it, and I love the fact that you're not a special person. Uh, I'm playing the shit out of it, and I love my pets. And it's an easy game to spend money on, though, because yeah, yeah. Y- you know you're, you're in this world for a long time. You just want to have uh, fun. And some of that cosmetic stuff really can, you know, add to it. But they've got some like whack price points, right? I remember when I was playing, there was like shit that was like a hundred dollars and stuff, right? There's I didn't some... see anything that was expensive. Man, when I I remember when I was looking at it, it was like, oh, these cool angel wings, how much? Ninety nine dollars, like oh, maybe I didn't see any of that. You should go back and check because, like, when I was looking at it, there was multiple pages of stuff, and maybe they've changed it. I mean, maybe they've streamlined it, but I think they might have lowered. Prices. I remember being really taken. I mean, not everything was. I mean, some was like a buck or whatever, but like some of it was like what who's gonna pay for that that's you know i guess if this game is your life you pay it but you do uh, and and i would say that i looked at this i peruse the store i'm not gonna buy too much uh i just mainly the pets are fun for me but like the pets i think cost me both of them cost like 15 dollars, maybe total maybe 10 dollars. man okay that's a it, lot for just like a straight up cosmetic though it, it is a lot you're right but i don't i saw angel wings i saw things like you know things you could put on your back and sure. all that stuff seemed like 200 or 300 coins in this world and i think hundreds of coins are ten dollars or something so you know you're in the 10 to 20 dollar range for stuff okay that's pretty reasonable maybe they've maybe they've uh cooled their jets since the last time i was in that game and, and admitted that was a couple years ago so maybe they fixed it since then and on top of that like again it's a free to game free to play game so yeah. i spent no money uh have already spent uh, i think they said i think i've already spent 40 hours in that game it's crazy. It just goes nice. by so what, fast. Since yesterday? No, not since yesterday. I started before. <laughs> Wait, I think it's okay. Yeah, I think it's like 30 hours, and I played maybe th- four days straight or something. Wow, okay. And um, w- mixed with Sleeping Dogs. And um, yeah, it's just like, it's super addictive. So. Right on, right on. Path of Exile, an Path old Path of game. Exile. Grinding Gear Games, I think, is, is who that's Yes, from, Grinding Gear sure. Games. Yeah. And their next game, I mean, that's number two looks so good. Interesting. So, all right. Right on, Path of Exile. There you go. Uh, and that is the main portion of the show. Wait. Um, well, you got an extra? I do this, yeah, I do this all the you time. You got a bonus? Okay, it's just bonus. The bonus. Surprise. Surprise quickly, game. Of course, I'm playing the Division 2 still. Yes, you are. And I just wanted to say that I beat the main campaign. And then I also beat the DLC campaign that they give you. So basically, after oh, you beat really? the okay. game. Uh, not the DLC. Okay. After you beat the game, they say black tusks are around. Right, right, right. Whatever. Yes. And then they basically make you do the whole map again. Yeah, those are like the special extra mean guys who show up after you complete the campaign, right? Yeah. It's like the the harder enemies. I beat all them. Okay. I wipe their fucking asses. And now after you beat that, they go, they're still around because they want you to keep playing, you know? Right, right. But I beat them. You know, like I beat that story. Yes. That's a lot. And then I started the DLC, the actual DLC, which is you go back to New York. Oh. Yeah. It's called Gangs in New York. You go back to New York, 
and you're chasing uh, criminals down there in this mastermind. And so you're back in the city and it feels awesome. And I beat 25% of that already. And it's, again, it's just Division Two is amazing. Hmm. And it's just beautiful. And I just wanted to bring that up because it's so good. And then also, uh, I looked at how long I've been playing that game. And it said two days and 16 hours. So, so they break it down for you in lifespan terms. Yeah. Nice, nice. So I basically like, yeah, 60 hours or something. <clears throat> 48 plus 16. Math. I can't do it. 48 plus 16. Four, one, 64. There you go. 64 hours I've been playing that game. Nice. So That's anyways, a lot of time. So you must really enjoy it. Division 2 is amazing. Yeah, right on. And Check it out. we're Check done. It out. All right, there we go. That is the actual end of the main portion of the show. Let's just talk for a minute about the few mm-hmm. non-games things that we're going to talk about this week, usually TV and movies. Carlos, uh, what do you have cooking here? What do you got for TV and movies? I got two things. One is movie. Uh, one is not any of those. Uh, okay. The first one is movie. It's a documentary called Lynch Oz. It's fucking amazing, especially if you, especially if you like David Lynch. And it's about it's four or five different people talking about the kind of correlation, the um, connection with Wizard of Oz and David Lynch and how Wizard of Oz influenced him uh, and also just influenced a lot of filmmakers in general. Interesting. Uh, like when just, he was a kid or how old was he when it came out? Well, like, yeah, but just overall. Is part? Like, no, it, it really isn't. It's just more like, you know, the idea of this wizard, the idea of this fantasy world that, you know, Dorothy goes to, um, you know, that, that movie so long ago set a precedent of how you kind of can jump between different realities in a movie. Right. Um, you know, a lot of, again, to bring, reword, uh, reuse the word trope, a lot of tropes and movie tropes. And then just they kind of show that kind of the connection between some of Lynch's work. And, you know, he literally in, in um, what's it called, Wild at Heart, literally has uh, Wizard of Oz in that movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah. other times you could just kind of see that influence. Um, so I just thought it was fascinating. It's the documentary... And you can rent it on Amazon Video. Right on. Uh, Lynch Oz. Lynch other, Oz. Yeah. The other one is not any of those. It's a book. A what? A book. It's a, What's a, a paper book? thing. And uh, it's a shape of a, like a rectangle. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And you read them uh, with pages. Uh, yeah. I'll have to look it up online. I'm not sure. Yeah. Google book. <laughs> book. Okay. I'm Googling it. Um, now I brought this up to you offline, but, um, I saw a TikToker saying these, this series of books is the dark souls of books. Because it's so hard to read. Well, I'll tell you why, but I, that just got me in. I was like, where that normally could be annoying. Uh, cause people say that about everything. I was intrigued. This is so, the dark souls of sub sandwiches. Yeah. This is a dark souls of pizza. <laughs> So the book was from the 80s. So the author is Gene Wolfe, G-E-N-E-W-O-L-F-E. Yes. Yeah, I've heard of him. Wrote a ton of like, you know, epic books, uh, fantasy, sci-fi fantasy. And Shadow and Claw is the compilation of the first two books in the series, uh, the first half of the Book of the New Sun. So Shadow and the Claw is the book that I got, recommended from TikTok. And what it is is, you know, it's a fantasy novel it tells a story uh, of a narrator, uh, Severian, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. and yeah, Severian, and you know he, he's a narrator, so it's a book where like he's telling the story of how it happened, you know, and but you get you get uh, kind of um, fed these little bits of lore and story throughout the the book, and why the TikTok person said it's like Dark Souls is the the author Gene just basically 
throws a bunch of stuff at you and doesn't explain it. Okay, so, so kind of like the like the William Gibson approach to writing. Yeah, or like I thought of Elden Ring, you know, like yeah, I just went in Elden Ring. I was like, what's going on? And like all these backstories are, were just there, and they didn't explain them to me. And I just had to get through things. And then sometimes I saw connections, you know, like in Elden Ring when I finally got to that one, what's that weird room with all the where you do murders for people, like you're a hitman. Uh, remember that place? <sighs> Oh my goodness. There's a place where it's like a kind of a, a throne room or something and there's these people that send you out on missions to kill people for you them. Did you ever do that? I'm sorry, I'm having a moment. I'm not even sure I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Oh, right Elden now. Ring. I jumped to Elden Ring. So in oh, Elden oh, Ring. Oh, Volcano Volcano Manor. Volcano okay. Manor. Yeah, okay, Thank sorry. You, sorry. I was just like, what? You missed okay, that volcano, word. Yeah. yeah, no, sorry. So yeah, in, where you go and they send you out on the missions to assassinate people. Right. That's correct. When I went in there and then learned about different stories there, it kind of like informed me about other things in the world. And I was like, oh, that's why that one person was mad, I think, you know, because I did this other thing or this other person showed up there in the manor, you know. So it's like that where, like, they just say a bunch of things and you're like, I get kind of what's happening, but you either reread it or the next chapter kind of informs, like, what that was first chapter was about a little bit, you know. Got you, got you, and got you. I'm fascinated. Like, normally I would not want to reread anything yeah. or, like, wait to be understood something. But this is a very interesting uh, tangent. I think games, and that's why this person on TikTok said it, have inf- helped me read difficult books. Because hmm. think about it. We play a lot of RPGs. We do. Sp- specifically, where you don't know what the fuck's going on. And even Path of Exile, I don't know what the fuck's happening in that world. Yeah. Like They keep telling me these little story bits, and I'm like, I guess. But what you do in games, and this might be my favorite like analogy ever, is you just say, ah, okay, I'll figure it out later. That's what you do in games. Yeah, you kind of just keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, almost any game, not just RPG. You know, you're playing a first-person Wolfenstein. I'm like, I guess I'm this guy, and I, you know, I, I know Hitler's bad, you know. but <laughs> Confirmed. Yeah, but why am I in this area, and who are those people, you know? Yeah, you've got the gameplay to kind of carry you forward. So even if you don't know what's going on, you're like, well, I do know I need to shoot these guys. That's it. I'm going to keep doing that, and, and then eventually... Hopefully, you get a cutscene that you're like, "Oh, I got it now," or you know, right? But like the that. storytelling still has to be good. The, the exactly, game still has exactly. to help you know do that, and that's why I think this is working. And that's why I mean, this guy, you know, from the past uh, was a genius at this, like won all these awards because he's creating these worlds where you just like are very interested in. You don't know what's going on fully, and then you'll see something that doesn't make any sense either. Or you'll read like, "Wait, why is that even?" Like the, the world has that, like, you know, not our world has that. And I'm reminded of, um, you know, killing of a sacred deer and the lobster. And what did that, I forgot that director. He just did, um, poor things, which I want to go see. I was going to say, it sounds like a pretty good brunch up until that point. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, um, Emma, Emma Stone, Stone? is in it. Yeah. Anyways, it's this huge movie. that's getting all praise. Uh, but that director does very something similar where there's just rules in that world that we don't have, right? right? right. Like in the lobster, if you don't find uh, a person to uh, have a relationship with at a, by a certain time, you have to turn into an animal. Right. Like, that's what that movie's about. And so people just like, say, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Like that just happens in the world. Um, and so that's similar to this. It's like, oh yeah, wait, why is, why is that a thing? That's it. I just wanted to say it's fucking amazing. And I don't read books like this, especially like I don't read huge epic ones. Uh, and also that take me a long time. But here's how in I am, Brad. 
How in a, are you, Carlos? Thank you. I bought a book light. Oh, wow. You're in. Oh, wow. I bought a, you, know, those, a, you attach them to the book, you know? Yep, yep, yep. I got a book light, It's kind of like book DLC, honestly. That is book DLC. <laughs> and it's rechargeable, and it has three different colors of light. Oh, wow. Okay, for mood Dude, lighting, I guess. So, okay, so tell I, us, it's in. Gene Wolfe. Gene Wolf, tell us the names of the books again. Again, the, the, this is a collection. I would suggest this because it's cheap. Shadow and Claw is the name of the book. Okay. And that's a collection of the first two books in the series. All right. Um, so Shadow and Claw, Gene Wolf, get on Amazon. I think it's like 20 bucks. Uh, yeah. And if you like the idea of a Dark Souls of books. Yes. Speaking of get on Amazon, just a, a brief tangent. Yes. I read yesterday that uh, Jeff Bezos, the guy who is behind Amazon, he makes $7 million every 13 minutes. Cool. 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 Thanks for that. Makes cool. you feel good about yourself, right? Well, on top of that, you know, I helped start <laughs> that company. Remember, we talk about that a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, I knew people who knew Bezos when he was coming up. Like one of my friends from high school knew his family and they were talking about, oh, he's getting this thing going. And I'm like, cool, whatever. And then... <laughs> fucker makes Dude, that much money that's ridiculous you're so. making me go on a tangent but i have to say it again just like you went off on your concrete yeah. worker tangent go ahead and everybody listen i'm ready we, embrace we have at least uh, at least thousands of listeners okay oh yeah yeah no doubt i don't what know if say? anybody what? can do anything about this <laughs> but i should have money coming in because i literally and me and about 150 other people so it's not just me uh-huh. but a small chunk of people not amazon numbers employees now Hundreds of people and me, Carl Stradella, helped create Amazon. I literally, with like seven other people, did all of the actual data that came into the website. So if a book had an ISBN number, yeah, yeah. that's the whole thing. We processed those books. If music had a UPC code, we did that work. So no, nothing would be on the site. Did you get like paid in some stocks or anything? Did you we, we got can... stock during the sh- the th- um, the stay there. You know, five years I was there, and it was I was always underwater most of the time, which sure. means that if your strike price is too high and you can't sell it because you won't make money. Right. So I had to wait for it to split. Long story short, I made like thousands of dollars every year by s- selling a little bit, uh-huh. which as a poor person, like you know up and coming person, I needed that money. Sure. If I would have held on to all of that stock, I still would have had like maybe eighty, ninety thousand dollars like in a chunk. But I made that throughout the year. It it, it was better to use it then because right. it was helping me live, you know? Exactly. Well you gotta live. You gotta Yeah. Live. But yeah. I didn't have penny stocks. I didn't have some of the people before me had like, you know, dime stocks. Right. And that's how you make those millions. The point is not only did I help start the initial part of the company with the data but then I created the like helped create the music system, the digital music at Amazon. Hmm. It was Carlos Rodella. There wasn't we never, we've never talked about this before. We haven't? No, never. So I took CDs and ripped them and made MP3s so Amazon could sell them. Carlos oh. did. <laughs> you were sitting in a room yeah. putting CDs in a yeah. little drive and just like in a cubicle. downloading them and stuff. In a cubicle. Wow. I remember I had a little um, awning on my cubicle, you know, and the Christmas lights and stuff. Yeah. There was not multiple people. It was Carlos Rodella. That's wow. it. That's Victor, my, I think my, a couple other people that were in my team maybe helped me sometimes, but I ripped the CDs. Not only did I do that, okay? And I'm broke here, okay? Is why. Tell, tell someone, tell, get to Jeff. I just want a little bit of money. Um, I helped start the digital program, which means uh, e-books and e-docs. Yeah, yeah. I did all that. Like me and Bill Hummel and a couple other people, I remember, it was like a team of five people. And we created digital 
books. I mean, I believe it, dude, because you're always so forward thinking. You're always on the edge of things. So, I mean, that makes sense, man. It sucks that you uh, and nothing didn't get to ride that wave, man. There's no wave. I, I was underwater in my stock, and it just seems the most unfair, especially you bringing that up. It's like I'm literally struggling to pay anything. And, yeah. man, that just make now I'm mad. Well, it makes me mad, too, because I was, maybe. you know, because I'm self-employed, and I do gig work to support the family. My wife's got a good job. But, you know, when you're self-employed, you got to put away extra taxes. And so I end up paying about 30% taxes. Uh, and I'm just like a guy. I'm just like a guy, right? Is is Jeff Bezos, who makes $7 million every 13 minutes, is he paying 30% taxes? Fuck no, he's not. Does he pay anything? I think Amazon even, like, they either pay nothing. They or skirted they fucking, the tax thing for a while. Yeah, right? Yeah, and so I don't even it. know. I mean, but regardless, that dude should be paying taxes for all of fucking America. He could take one day off and he could pay taxes for so many fucking people. And we could, it would just be like easier for everybody. And I just, every time I put money in my savings account to pay taxes, it makes me mad because I'm like, man, fuck those guys. Like I have so little and I've got to put so much of it away. And here's this guy who like has more money than he could ever spend in a hundred lifetimes. Even if he was wacky spending, he couldn't spend it all. And just well, that's that. Well, that's the unfairness of the imbalance, because if you if you have a currency that you can't spend, then that's just a broken system. You know what I mean? Like you can't even spend it all. And I would suggest that's all I'm saying is not just me. There's about 200 people. That's a small number, by the way. 200 people who are probably who might be listening to this podcast. I know a lot of them. You know, a lot of them are my, still my friends. 200 people just pay us all a lump sum, okay? Because yeah. we got you to that place. That's all I'm saying. It's not even coming out of spite or you know true anger. It's just sadness, and I, I'm poor. Right. But like, I think those 200 people deserve it because we were in one office. You know well, what I mean? Isn't that how billionaires get made? They just step all over the people who are under them, right? Like if well, they actually paid people what they're worth and were, were honest business people, there wouldn't be billionaires. You know? Right. But I'm saying, here's my plea. I don't think people forget. You know what I mean? Like he's so far removed from that office that we all started in. I just, I, I would never be as, me, Carlos, but I just feel like I'm reminding, like let's, let's remind <laughs> him that there's 200 people or so that helped him get to where he's got and just right. give us a little bit of money. That would be the decent thing to do. Also, pay everybody's fucking taxes because you can and that afford too, it. I guess. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, oh. Tangent over. Let's get back to the other stuff I was going to mention Sorry. before we got. No, nah, no, nah, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, let me talk about some uh, TV. Just TV, really quickly. Upload season three uh, came out on I think Amazon a while ago. This is the TV series about the guy. Uh, a world where people, when they die, their head, their brains get uploaded into a virtual reality. And, but it's also like super commercialized and it's capitalism and it's about, you know, commentary about money and and digital rights and about yeah. life. But it's also a comedy. Upload is great. I just watched season three. Wonderful. I'm really glad to see it come back. It was very, very good. Um, I watched uh, my son is really into a new show called Lawman Bass Reeves. Have you heard of this? I have not. It is a Western. Um, and I forget the name of the guy. I want to say his name is. David Oyewelo, and if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize. I think his name's Oyewelo, uh, African-American actor. Does a great job, but this is actually, uh, so it's a fictionalized series based on a true person. Bass Reeves was actually a uh, lawman, a, I think it was some kind of deputy something, uh, but, a, but a high up lawman in the Old West, and he was black. He was, a, he was a, an escaped slave who went west and didn't go all the way west, but went pretty far west. And then, you know, after emancipation happened and he became an extremely successful, actual real life lawman. Um, so he's not really often talked about when you talk about Westerns. We all hear about, you know, Buffalo Bill and 
Annie Oakley and stuff like that, Billy the Kid and all that. But here's a dude who was actually like fucking doing it. He's got, uh, I want to say he was the most successful bounty hunter type guy. Mm. He brought people, and he also brought back people alive more often than anybody else did. Uh, he ended up having, I think, 14 kids or something like that. Wife, homestead. And he his his character, his real life character, or his real life personality, that was the basis for the Lone Ranger, except they turned him white. So they were so impressed with Bass Reeves and his reality of what he did in the Old West. They're like, man, we got to make a show about this, but eh, let's make him white instead. So that was kind of bullshit. But very interesting stuff. Um, his character on the show looks a lot like what he actually looked like in real life. There are some photos of him back then. And I'm like, wow, good job there. Um, so it's pretty grim and serious at times. There's not a lot of laughter in this, but it's really interesting. And if you like Westerns, I think it's really cool even to see this fictionalized account of this uh, this black guy who was just like, man, doing crazy stuff back in the day. And like you never hear about it. You never hear, you know, he never gets props. He's never held up as a Western hero, which is like a real fucking shame. So it's really interesting from that perspective. Hmm, okay. So Lawman Bass Reeves uh, went back to an old horror movie called The Ruins. I think it was from like 2009, maybe something like that. You ever see The Ruins, Carlos? I haven't. It's based on a really successful horror book. I'm not going to give it away. But basically, a bunch of uh, people go to Cabo for, you know, spring break or some shit. And they go on this uh, illicit tour of, uh, I want to say it's Mayan Temple or is it the Aztec Temple? I, I apologize. I don't remember which, but they're in Mexico somewhere. And they go to see one of those temples, like the little, the stair-steppy kind of pyramids they have down there, you know. Mm-hmm. And they get trapped there. I'm not going to say how they get trapped or why they get trapped because that's a big part of the story. But they get trapped on this pyramid and they can't leave. And it just it becomes this like screaming bloody horror nightmare um which was just a really really effective um horror movie i i watched it back then i read the book i thought it was great revisited still really good really effective good stuff i definitely recommend the ruins if you like it and the bonus is it's also one of those movies where it's kind of like people stuck in a bad spot which is one of my favorite genres that we've talked about before where you know it's like the pool where somebody's stuck at the bottom of a pool they can't climb out of or mm. frozen when they're stuck in a ski lift and they can't get down off the ski lift or uh, I think it was a climb where these two girls are stuck on top of a radio oh, tower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those like people in a bad spot. Like, I love those movies. There's something really compelling about them. So it's all, it's a horror movie, but it's also people stuck in a bad spot. Uh, very effective. I thought it was very good. Ruins is great. Um, movie we just watched called Susie Searches. You've heard of this one? No, I don't know any of the things you're saying this time. This was like a an award winning indie award winning film. It's on Hulu for free, I believe. Right now is where we saw it. It's about um, commentary in the digital digital age. This girl is uh, wanting to be an online presence. She wants to be kind of a content creator. She wants to do a uh, true crime podcast, and nobody is paying attention to her. So she really needs to find a case to get famous on. Again, I don't want to give it away, but like basically. She ends up finding a case. She solves the case, but then things go sideways because of things she doesn't expect. And it just becomes kind of like, what is our life in the digital age? What is our life in social media? How does this affect you as a person? You know, but it's also funny, but it's also kind of a mystery. Really good. I thought it was really good. It was pretty wild, pretty, pretty different. I liked it a lot. Susie Searches is pretty great. And the last one I'm going to mention is another movie called There's Something in the Barn. This is a... Straight up horror comedy, my favorite genre. Oh, I where, started watching this. Oh, did you start watching this? You saw Christmas time. Yeah, Christmas time. And I like um, the guy, I forgot the actor. He's in uh, Silicon Valley. Yes, I know the guy you're talking about. I don't know his name either, but he's, he's pretty funny. So this is about a family. Uh, his, this guy's grandpa dies. He's living in... Um, Norway? Norway, Sweden, something like that. Yeah. And he inherits the house. And so he's like, oh, let's go, let's go move to Norway for a change of atmosphere and life. He moves his whole family out there. And it turns out that there are... Um, House elves, I don't know their exact 
you know, their name in the mythology or whatever. But basically, these little helper house elves, there's one in the barn. And if you treat him well, take care of him, respect him, then he will help you around the, the farm. He will he'll shovel your snow. He'll chop your wood. He'll milk your cows. Like he'll do all the chores for you if you give him a place to live and treat him nicely. But they don't know about that. And so the guy starts fucking with the with the elf and the elf gets fucking pissed. And he calls his other elves in and it becomes just fucking chaos from there. So like these these little helper elves are going buck wild on this guy's farm. And it's just like crazy and it's funny and it's goofy. And it's actually based in some real myths. I mean, those are I have read about those things before, even though I don't yeah. know what their name is. But it was pretty good. It's, a, you know, obviously Christmas theme movie. That was really fun. But I think it would still hold up any time. Good times. There's something in the barn. I thought was a, a good, good laugh and a half. Good time there. So cool. anyway, that's all I got. And this is going to bring us to the end of the show, folks. Before we close, we'd love to ask you to leave reviews, share us on social media, but most of all, please recommend us to your friends. Nothing beats word of mouth. Also, uh, if you want to support the show, please help us out with costs. That'd be greatly appreciated. You don't have to, but if you can, go over to patreon.com forward slash the Sylvity Games podcast. $5 members will get in on the Discord, but we will never, ever content uh, lock anything. You'll always get the same great show every week. And as always, we want your questions and comments. Hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com or reach us individually. Carlos, where are we sending your traffic this week? This has a slight tangent. Sorry, tangent last tangent. Uh, you can go to glitchtotheground.com now, uh, glitchtotheground.com for all my mm-hmm. weird videos. The tangent is once I started putting videos up there, it was like, hey, do you want to link them from YouTube or wherever? Or do you want to just upload them? It was so cool, Brad. It was like the olden days when you made a website and you put your videos on the website and you don't have to see any views. There's oh, no nice. comments. Nice. There's yeah. no hearts. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep, I was yep. like, I'm going to put up this weird video that I like that no one, you know, originally liked or whatever, you know, on those You don't other have to get channels. beat up by the algorithm. You don't There's have to no be abused algorithm. by algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. It's whatever I want to put on the fucking homepage. So I'm still working on it, but it, it, it's active right now and it works. And there's some videos that... I think aren't on the other sites. Uh, so glitch to the ground, glitch to the ground.com. Right on. Go check it out. Check out the uh, content that comes directly from Carlos's mind. Yes. As for me, I'm on uh, blue sky, Twitter, Instagram. It's my name. B R A D G A L L A W A Y. All A's, no O's. Or I guess just come over and visit me at gamecritics.com too. I'm the editor over there. So you can come and uh, check that out or just say, Hey, in the discord, whatever. And this is going to do it, folks, for episode 371. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. Good.